All right, Matt. Today we are talking about spooky things under the bed. Are you familiar with this phenomenon? <laughs> the phenomenon of spooky things under the bed? Yeah. Yeah, I, to this day I still sometimes get worried about plugging in like my uh <laughs> my phone charger into the wall. Really? As a, like a grown 30 something year old man. Yeah, you know what? That that old the fear of the dark don't really ever leave you for for good. Well, the thing the uh that I was always terrified was under my bed. Uh, was these things called thingamajigs. They come from a illustrated children's book called the Thingamajigs Book of Manners. I believe I've shown you these guys before. I wish you could <coughs> I wish you could see the face I'm making right now. I'm gonna refresh your memory with some visuals. Ah, oh, great. Perfect for an audience. They were these disgusting little like creatures and the whole idea was that they were like there to show you what bad manners were right like they were like nasty and they had like matted hair and they picked their nose and they uh they put their feet on the table while they were eating and they're just disgusting little creatures (laughs) it sounds very susian it is kind of susian but they look more like fraggle rock (laughs) i've sent you a picture of them Oh yeah, uh, they're kind of like a uh, yeah, they're like a little uh, little rat. <laughs> yeah, they have like super long, gigantic, bulbous noses and like weird long feet. Yeah, it's it's like if you ran like a rat through a, a Dr. Seuss like printing press, that's how he would come out. And I like for the life of me, I could not imagine what like why I thought they were under my bed, but like I literally could not get up to go to the bathroom because I'm like. Well, one of those gross things are going to be under there, and it's just going to grab me. And for whatever reason, in my head, I imagined they were like eight feet tall, oh, just well, like that is, enormous. That is scary. <clears throat> what about you? Well, what was hiding under well, your bed? Well, first of all, before I we go we get on to that, uh, I have a question. Now, would you be more or less afraid if instead of those thingamajigs, it was um, the thingamajig that's Victor Oladipo from Masked Singer? That one wouldn't bother me so much. <laughs> Because <laughs> he had some style, right? Yeah, he's got clothes and stuff. <laughs> he looks like he has a job. And, like, he was, like, put together a little bit better. <laughs> These things are gross. They wear rags. Okay, well, you know what? For me, I, I had kind of, like, an evolving monster under the bed. And was it just under the bed for you? Or the clo- was the closet on, uh, you know, up for grabs as well? Or did you not have, like, a closet? I, I, usually, don't wanna, I usually went with closet open <laughs> because that way I could see that there was nothing in it. Like, Oh, that's that. I think a lot of people would think you're wrong for that. Closet closed means they can't. It's closed. They can't get you. If it's open, it's free reign. They can jump right out of you. That's weird. But for me, my uh, like thing under the bed was, you know, I guess, kind of like it was like a monster of the week thing for me. Like whatever I was particularly afraid of at any given point in time was the thing that I thought was under my bed. Um, as you as you'll know, I, I think I've said it on the pod before. I was a big scaredy baby, uh, terrified little child. If I was if I was a cartoon character, I'd have like nervous lines. I'd look like I I, I was shaking constantly. <laughs> That's me as a kid, <clears throat> and. Uh, there's, there's probably a Peanuts character that's like that, right? Like Linus or something. So like, I used to have nightmares that um, dinosaurs were like eating everybody in town. So I always thought there was a Velociraptor under my bed for quite some time. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay. And I liked dinosaurs, but I also, uh, I guess my little kid brain appreciated how dangerous they were. That's amazing to me because like I was about to make fun of you because they specifically teach us that dinosaurs are extinct. 
But then I realized the thing that I was afraid of was completely and totally unreal. You're, you were afraid of a fucking Dr. Seuss rat. This thing, yeah, this thing does not even exist, ever, let alone extinct. The other... The other thing I was afraid of was on the like opposite end of the genre spectrum. I was afraid of gray aliens. I was afraid of those little bug-eyed uh, gray dudes sneaking around, abducting people, doing weird shit to them while they slept. <clears throat> Terrified. Because you know what? I was exposed to a lot of X-Files when I was growing up. Um, so <laughs> I... I I, I was just basically my my parents were just begging for me to pee the bed every <laughs> and I guess the last thing one time I I don't think there was a thing under the bed but I distinctly remember I had a nightmare where a big nutcracker was trying to eat me like the Christmas time like nutcrackers yep. <laughs> hmm. and that's you know that might he, he didn't plague me for very long but that one dream that one nightmare has stuck with me for th- thirty three years. <laughs> <laughs> people welcome to the devil's cut a podcast all about the media that goes bump in the night if it's scary spooky or spine tingling we're here to talk about it i'm matt young your resident man boy possessed by a devil and i'm here with the skeleton everyone should want in their closet eric rossi oh we have new intros i like that (laughs) i'm good how are you i'm doing pretty well i'm actually doing great because i was very pleasantly surprised by the movie we're discussing this week Really? Yeah, I I went in expecting to be to be sad. I think that's very <laughs> fair. Uh as far as judging a book by its cover, but yeah, I I I would say I was also pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And speaking of book by its cover, uh the movie if you haven't already figured it out, uh when you clicked on this episode uh that we're talking about this week is Boogeyman, the 2023 horror movie. Uh, written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, uh, who you guys might know from, uh, they are the writers of The Quiet Place and (laughs) the, 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 the Adam Driver movie everyone's talking about, 65. (laughs) (laughs) The box office smash hit about dinosaurs and your favorite Sith Lord. Yeah, you know what? I I watched that movie. It's basically Dinosaurs The Last of Us. That's all that one is. Uh, Directed by Rob Savage, who uh, listeners might know from. Now, you, Eric, might be familiar. I haven't seen these two movies, but he did Host. Uh, which was a sort of a sort of a short film. It wasn't like a short short film, but it also wasn't like a full feature length film. I believe um, it was just under an hour. Yeah. It was about fifty seven minutes. Yeah. So like a like a episode of Game of Thrones length. Uh, and the other movie he did was Dashcam, which I always intended to watch, uh, but I I never got around to it. I it's pretty. I hear it's pre- a little bit uh, divisive. Some people divisive. Really like it. Some people find it. <laughs> I don't know if it's find it bad or find it problematic. I'm not sure, uh, but I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of uh, back and forth about why uh, some people might not like it. But 
Are you familiar with? Yes, I did see Host. Host is really good. I think everyone who has access to Shudder should absolutely seek out and watch Host. Oh, it is on Shudder. It's like one of those computer found footage movies, but you don't like click around oh, all the time. Oh, like um, Unfriended? Yes, it's not like Unfriended or um, what's the other one where it's the cam girl? Cam? Is it cam? Cam. I mean, that's the only one I know about a cam girl. But uh, it, it's, it all takes place within a Zoom call. It was made on like, uh, you know breadcrumb budget it was like nothing and uh honestly i was one of the best movies of the year in 2020 as far as horror if you ask me it was very good uh but you know what i do have to say so both of savage's most i don't know if they're his only credits or his most notable ones but both of them are found footage movies and this is decidedly not a found footage movie i think honestly we'll get into it later i think he figured out that he didn't have to do handheld camera anymore and he went buck wild with he was like i'm gonna do it all i'm gonna try every fucking camera angle i can think of yeah somebody fucking (laughs) gave him money to make a movie and it was like rocket fuel this motherfucker is (laughs) i he's definitely gonna be one to watch i'm really interested to see what he has next yeah for sure um but yeah so directed by rob savage written by scott beck and brian woods uh, Boogeyman is starring uh, everybody's favorite Yellow Jacket, Sophie Thatcher as Sadie Harper, uh, Chris Messina, who I believe I just saw in something else recently. I can't remember what it was, but I saw him recently. Uh, Chris Messina as Will Harper. Birds of Prey. Birds of. Oh yeah, he was uh, he was Victor Zaz in Birds of Prey. That was it. <clears throat> um, very adorable child performance by Vivian Blair as Sawyer Harper. Uh, and <laughs> another another DC deep cut, everyone's favorite polka dot man, uh, David Desmaltian. <laughs> he's got he's got horror credits too. True, but I mean I he's like, he hosted the chainsaw awards for Christ's he's sake. He's polka dot man and he and that's it. But hey, you know what? Being uh being Lester Billings from Boogeyman, not too bad. That's a that's a that's a king classic. Uh, the movie is a, a beautiful, Mwah. swift ni- ninety-eight minutes. Perfect. It, it it's it's just like it never overstayed its welcome. It knew exactly what it was doing. Ninety-eight minutes in and out. Uh, and unfortunately, rated PG thirteen. <laughs> at least at least what I thought was going to be unfortunate turns out didn't really seem to make a difference. I don't see how. I I guess you could have gotten a little more gruesome at certain points of the movie, but. Nothing in this movie really yeah. demanded uh, an R rating. Unless, like... I was surprised that it didn't get an R rating. Like, there's, like, there... a pretty significant amount of on-screen violence. I mean, I guess there's not a lot of gore, except for, yeah. like, a few specific spots. Uh, yeah, I, there wasn't really a lot... Unless... The only way you could get, like, an R rating out of it, like, would be if... Has a movie ever been, like, so actually just scary that it was rated R? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In recent times. I'm not talking about, like, back when everyone was weenies, when, like, you couldn't, like, Exorcist was, like, so scary that people, you know, (laughs) like, had to, like, they started Uh, vomiting. I mean, I'm pretty sure Paranormal Activity got the R rating as a result, and, uh, Mm. but yeah, there's, there's a bunch of movies that have come out and they're like, hey, this is just scary as fuck, so it's rated R. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that makes sense. All right. Well, I guess if they had like toned up the the horror, you could they could have maybe be pushed for like get maybe throwing I don't know a couple more jump scares or something. Maybe that would have pushed it over. But either way, I don't think it was necessary. PG thirteen turned out to be not a big deal. More dead children. It was uh more dead children. 
<laughs> it was released on June 2nd. Um, it had a budget of $35 million. And two, as far as hmm. Friday, as far as last Friday, it had made a worldwide gross of uh, just over 39500000 So it is not exactly like blow, <laughs> blowing the blowing up but uh you know they made their money I'm back kinda, I'm, but I, I, I you know i, I think i wouldn't it, say it's like a huge huge success what do you think it's got like another two weeks in theaters before it gets pulled i'd say so I, you know it, it, it only because of the pg-13 rating and it's summertime so you got true, lots of uh true, true true you have lots of teens who can uh who will just be like dicking around at the local malls and stuff that so i think that i think it'll drag out a little bit longer um, uh, but yeah, so the Boogeyman, uh, is also a, it, this is, this film is based off of the Stephen King short story by the same name. Uh, the short story was actually, uh, well, we'll get into it, but I have, uh, some trivia about this movie. Ooh, beforehand. we haven't had trivia in a while. Well, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, hold on. I'm going to find a trivia song. Trivia song, go. All right, we're back. <laughs> I don't know if it was a song or it was a fun sound, but it's one of those. Yeah, some quick trivia. Uh, so this was actually originally going to be released straight to Hulu, Ugh. but it was it performed so well uh, with test audiences that they decided, you know what? I think you know if we put this out, if we drop this little bad boy in the summer, they would make some money. I'm glad that they waited. I'm glad that they 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 chose that path because as much as I would have you know obviously watched it opening weekend on Hulu, I. I'm glad I got to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Well, I'm biased. I think any, uh, I think a Stephen King adaptation should be on screen, except a Children of the Corn movie, especially the one we watched, um, because they've had enough. That times. should be on no screens. <laughs> Zero Children screens. Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn has had enough tries. No, you don't get a theatrical release anymore. They don't make screens small enough. <laughs> Not even on your Apple Watch. Screens watch for that. ants. <laughs> Some other fun, uh, fun trivia. Now, this this dives into the movie itself a little bit, but um, the character uh, Lester Billings uh, in the movie, played by uh, David Desmalkian, uh, he his address is shown to be two seventeen Oak Drive, as we all know. Two seventeen is the name uh, or the number of the room in The Shining. So, little oh little Stephen King Easter egg. Oof, that's a fucking that's a really nerdy well, one. Well, it's funny they actually did that. They pulled that same move twice because the other trivia is that the Harper family, the main family, they their house is number nineteen. And uh, any real Stephen King nerds will know that nineteen is a like very like almost mythological number in his universe. Yeah, I would. I, lost on me yeah the it, it really came to prominence in the it comes to prominence in the dark tower series where like, oh, okay really significant things come like in 19s which is really weird but not when you uh, understand that like basically all of like stephen king's formation as a person and a writer happened when he was 19 like everything that like was gonna <laughs> like make him into like the writer that he became like happened at 19 it was a very that was his canon event that uh, it spawned the the king verse where all the other stephen kings <laughs> age 19 was huge for stephen and i call him stephen stephen um, <laughs> uh, yeah, me and steve you know uh but yeah <laughs> 
he uh he it was a big 19 was a big year for him i don't know why uh all of the reasons but there was a lot basically the only other th- year i think that really made a, a a bigger impact was like the year he got hit by that car and that's why he made I think that's probably the biggest impact because it's the size of a car. It's <laughs> if we're going for like uh, surface area. Yeah, right. The most is the lar- the largest impact. The mo- if how can we impact King in the largest surface area? <laughs> yeah, there's always King ever since then there's always a lot of car uh imagery and and stuff in his books. Although that being said, in the night shift, there was a short story called Trucks, where just cars came to life and started murdering people. So it's almost like he was asking, you know, nice. how to get hit by that car. So tell me about Night Shift. You read Night Shift, right? This is the book that it's based on. Correct. So, yeah, we'll we'll dive into... So we are going to talk about the movie, um, but I did want to discuss the short story, because I kind of want to use this uh, this episode as sort of like a springboard for a, a, a series... Ooh. Of like king king centric episodes where uh since I'm already on the journey of reading all of the books, I wanna whenever I finish a book, I would love to do an episode where we where I discuss the book and we discuss the movie that was released, or if not both, be or multiple movies, because like with Carrie there's three was, of there them. was two. Three movies. Yeah, well, I discovered a, a third of, one. There's a lot of carry. There's a lot of carry twos and like carry the rage and stuff. Um, but was there another one based off of like just the original? Yeah, story? it was a uh, 2002 one. I actually saw the trailer for it yesterday. Uh, on complete coincidence. Uh, it's <laughs> like it seems like it's told from the perspective of a cop like interrogating students about like what happened. And like what oh, so set closer carry off to the actual closer to the yeah. actual book. Yeah, and uh, it looked like there's a lot of town on fire in that trailer. So I think that one actually might be the carry movie that we've been asking for. It, it, it might be the one that, that is the most accurate. That's wild. Uh, but yeah, so I want to kind of do a well, uh, sort of like Stephen King series, like a, you know, like a little. Uh, I was I was toying around with you know names like to 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 work into the the titles you know like some sort of like episode title for this segment something like you know you know like a small batch or like or a uh, a uh, <laughs> a kingle barrel if you will Ooh, gross <laughs> but yeah i do i i, I kind of want to do that in the future more elaborate more on the books but for this one i figured it worked because it won't eat up too much time to, to give to the movie because this is based off of a short story um so there's really not much to go over uh, so the short story called also called the boogeyman was, I believe this is also, he wrote this, it, it shows up in the, the collection, the short story collection night shift, which was published in 78. Um, but this short story was actually published once beforehand in 73 in Cavalier magazine. So if you want to see some boobies and read a uh, short story by Stephen, you can uh, you can go track down that issue. I got to find out if there's like a current magazine where like, hey, we're doing boobies and we're doing indie horror stories. Like, what, Where are those publications? I, I'm sure they're out there. Maybe we're just not dialed into the right sources. Let's do some research. You should, you do, you know, you do that. Get back to us in a, in a, in a later episode. Anyway. So the the boogeyman is uh, it's a it's a really short story. I think it's something like 10, 15 pages. I could be wrong about that. Oh my god! Wow, it, it's it's very short because basically what the story is about is about the character 
of uh, Lester Billings is in a therapist's office. The therapist is one Dr. Harper. And the entire story is just Lester in the, in the chair uh, t- trying to convince Dr. Harper that it was the boogeyman that killed all three of his children. And it's sort of a breakdown of when the first incident started, uh, the children started like being like really bad. Uh, they, they like wouldn't behave when they were going to bed. They were always like scared of monsters in the closet. And now anybody who's interested in reading the story, be prepared. This character of Lester is not sympathetic. It's, and it's, it's, keep in mind, it was written when Stephen King was 19. So it might have been published in 73, but uh, it was written even farther back than that. So the, the, the way people behaved, quite different. Um, so this story has lots of, uh, we'll say, racially insensitive remarks. Also, lots of just like rampant domestic abuse. This guy, <laughs> Lester, is. Always talking about how, like, how his kids were. He's like, oh, you know how kids are. They're annoying. You got to slap them around sometimes. Sometimes I, you know, and, then, like, something will happen. He's like, yeah, I hit the kid, and I was going to hit my wife, too. I didn't that time. He's just but, a know. piece of shit 70s dad. Stip, yeah, tr- totally real, normal piece of shit real 70s piece dad. Piece of shit 70s dad. To the point where when I was picturing him in the story, because I know I went into the story knowing that David Dasmalkian was playing this character <laughs> in the movie. But I was like, there's no way he's going to be that guy. So I actually pictured him as the dude who was the dad in Brightburn. You know, yes. the actor? I was like, this is what this dad looks like. <laughs> no, no way <laughs> it looks like this other guy. And uh, yeah, so the whole story takes place just in the chair. Uh, it's told fr- like you don't even it's not like you even get like, oh, and this is what happened. And we flash back into the, the events. It's all just dialogue just just day uh just lester saying what happened and the you know the most of the story you it it really really feels like as it goes on you're like i'm pretty sure lester just killed these kids like i know we're (laughs) supposed to we're supposed to be trying to like he's trying to get us to believe that the boogeyman did it but every sentence it's like no i actually believe you less than i did at the start of the story doesn't he even at one point say uh you know how kids are you could just kill them sometimes he does say that yes like, exactly <laughs> he says those exact words whose side are you trying to get like get on <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's he's not very he's not very convincing but uh i mean do i do i like do i do i spoil the you know 50 year old story yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's reasonable. I, it's I mean, 15 it's, pages it's in the back of a book, and you yeah. this is your warning. This is your forewarning. We're about to spoil the 15-year-old story that we're also about to spend an hour talking about in detail. Yeah. So anyway, so he what he does is uh, he – basically his two kids die, um, and they're it's like diagnosed like, oh, it was like sudden infant death syndrome or um, – and then like uh, something I think was like an asthma attack in the night or something like that. But he, you know, Lester is is like, well, you know, the doctor is like, it was well, those those are pretty common things. But Lester's like, that's bullshit. That's not what it was. You know, we we noticed weird things happening. I would go into the room, and like the 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 closet would be slightly ajar, and that's when I realized like something's weird. Uh, but eventually, like, so both those kids die, and then life kind of like goes on, and like 
you know, he's still miserable with his wife. He like he, he clearly hates his wife this whole time he's talking about her and the family. Like like it's so clear that he hates her. <laughs> Uh, but then, like, eventually they get pregnant again, and they have another kid, and they move, and everything, like, he's like, oh, you know what, I, it, stuff was really good this time, like, I didn't get, I, I didn't get so mad at the kid, I really loved him, uh, but then, you know, and everything was fine for a while, but then he's like, but then it found us again, and so, basically what happens is, like, the wife goes away for some sort of, like, trip, and he, this is when he decides, he's like, oh, I don't, you know, I, I, it's starting to get worse and worse, and the wife's gone now. We've been keeping the kid in our bedroom with us, but he, it, basically he alludes to the fact that he's too scared of the boogeyman now, and he knows that he can lure it out if he just puts the kid alone in its own room. Ugh. And so he does, and and then the boogeyman gets the kid and shakes it to death because the he hears the he hears the commotion and like you know, sprints into the kid's room and the boogeyman is on the bed shaking the kid like crazy. And this is, again, when I was like, are you sure you didn't shake the kid to death, Lester? Yeah. Because it really really seems like that's what happened. And so this is where, this is the very King thing to do where he, obviously that would be a horrific enough story to begin with if you just, like, this guy was convinced it was the boogeyman, but really he was just lying to himself and he killed the whole family. That would also just be horrifying on its own. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so he ends his therapy session being like, yeah, the boogeyman killed them, uh, and I was just get, I just came here to get that off my chest, and now I'm going to go. And Dr. Harper goes, well, I think we still have some more stuff to work through, because obviously. And so he says, why don't you go out with my, uh, you know, go make an appointment with a standing appointment with my uh, receptionist, you know, every, twice a week. And so he goes out there, uh, Lester goes out and can't find the receptionist anywhere and then goes back into the the doctor's office and the doctor isn't anywhere to be found. But then he hears some rustling from the, the, the closet behind the doctor's desk and he walks over to it and from out of the closet emerges the boogeyman with the mask of Dr. Harper in his claws and then he <laughs> lunges at the at, at Lester and that's the end of the story. So it's like, oh, so like it just really was the boogeyman the whole time. What a twist. <laughs> I liked it. Honestly, uh, I I I was not like super amped for the plot of this book un- or the movie until you told me like what the hook from the story was i was like oh sh- okay. all right well this movie's probably gonna be dope yeah i do i do like the idea that it it really was the boogeyman the whole time it's fun and it's you know because we've all you know we, listen we we all listen to every true crime podcast available we've heard all the ter- terrible stories like obviously we're interested in that story but we've seen it before you know Sometimes it was it's cool to go back and just have a big oh it was the mon- it was a monster actually. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want the story to always be monster was man the whole time. Yeah. Right? You know. <laughs> now, that, that being be said, fun. before we get into the movie, I I will have to say some of my favorite horror movies in the last couple of years have been these, you know, crazy fucking movies about people not dealing with grief or specifically dealing with grief. Uh, Hereditary, uh, The Babadook, It Follows, like, that one's a little bit different, but similar. 
I love these movies. I like this movie. I am ready to close the gate behind the boogeyman. I think we can be <laughs> done with grief-based monster movies. I think we mm. can be done with unprocessed trauma monster movies just for a little while. Let's just take a break. I think the, the market is very saturated at the moment. Let's no just more give it some breathe. I, I, look, it's, I love them to death. Let's <laughs> just pump the brakes for a minute. We'll take our we'll take our smiles. We'll take our Baba Dukes. We'll We're take, closing we'll the take gate behind them, Boogie put it, Man. Put it in. Put it in the night house and lock it up and leave them all in there for a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> Let them have a little party, and then eventually we'll unlock that door and something really crazy will come out. Exactly. And That's what we'll I'm saying. Be better off. Just for put it. it in the slow cooker for now. We're done. <laughs> We're done. It was is a great meal. Let's just let, let it simmer for a minute. And we'll come back to him. I like this metaphor of, of the, the, the Nighthouse slow cooker. This is, this is working for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this is... So I would say this movie is sort of a mix between Smile and Babadook uh, with a, like, a teen's first horror movie veneer over top. I was trying to know? think about that, and I was like, man, if I showed this to a 12-year-old, I would be like, I traumatized this 12-year-old. I'd say thir- 13, 14, you know, when you're, that's like around the age where, like, you start going to, like, movies with your friends on your own, you know? I think this is a perfect movie for that demographic. I'm glad there weren't any of those there when I saw it, because they would have annoyed <laughs> me and ruined the movie for me, but <laughs> I can, I, I, I think for, you know, certain well-behaved Groups of teens, like, this is the perfect movie for them. But they they are going to have to pass a rigorous uh, written test uh, administered by me in order to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now that we're off uh, your lawn. <laughs> yeah, all right. The kids are off the lawn. Now uh, we'll just get into it then. So, you know, that was a nice little uh, segue into it. How did you – so, yeah, you, you, you liked the movie, right? I liked the movie. I think, like you, the PG-13 rating – I had seen the trailers and I was like really stoked. I I was like, "Fuck, this is gonna rock!" And then all of a sudden, I think it was like the second or third trailer that came out, and it was like PG thirteen, and I was like, "What? What are we doing? Yeah. No!" But um, I was yeah, bit, pleasantly bit surprised. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I thought it was stylish enough, and like you said, coming from those two found film uh, movies to like a more uh, normal kind of style of camera direction. I was really impressed, uh, and it was just tied up with a little, you know, bow. Like you said, nice ninety minutes. I checked all the boxes. I I thought it was a perfect little package. You know, yeah, uh, not not out of the park. I'd say infield sec second base. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that you used the baseball metaphor because I've been watching a lot of League of Her Own or League of Their Own recently. So <laughs> got baseball, baseball on the brain. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. I think you put it. You put it right. It, it's not. They didn't knock it out of the park. It's a, but it's a great for what it is. It's a great little movie. Uh, it, a great popcorn movie. Like it's yes. not too too deep. Too, it's not too scary. It's like a great thing to just like have on. You know, a good time watching it. I, I think it's got great rewatchability. There's lots of cool oh, stuff. Oh, definitely. In the movie, so. And the performances are really solid. Like this could easily have gone the way other direction if the the three main characters weren't so like mm-hmm. good. Yeah, definitely. You if, know, they, the, if, all, if we had the, a different this, cast, this, 
yeah, this main family uh, is the, the acting is great. They really they fit well together. I think they uh, vibe off each other. Great. Like there's certain moments, especially with the two sisters where they, you know, again, we're getting lots of good. Maybe they're doing that thing we were just talking about where they're like do that intense uh, training camp, like two week training camp for these child actors, because we've been getting some crazy child actors performances. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you get the right the right, you know, ensemble around them, I think especially lately we have gotten some 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 pretty decent kid performances ones. Yeah, I really liked it. You know, again, I and I felt the same way as you. I, I was I, I was pretty stoked for it. I said, oh, new, you know, Stephen King adaptation. I'm always down for those. And, and this one looks it looked you know scary. It looked creepy. Uh, the visuals in the trailers weren't lying because they follow through the whole movie. I mean, the visuals in this movie are crazy. Uh, lots of really cool stuff with lighting. Um, Good and, monster and then I was design. disappointed. Good monster design, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, but yeah, I was disappointed when I saw the PG-13 rating and let's just like put it out there. Like we, a movie can be, it just cause it's PG-13 doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but I, for me personally, and I'm sure for you to a degree and for plenty of listeners out there, when I see that a horror movie is being, is rated PG-13, it means it's not going to be, you know, as gory or bloody as I personally like things to be. Not that every movie has to be like a gore fest, but yeah. I, I like a lot of blood. And, you know, I like a little bit more brutality in my horror movies. Um, and it, what it, and the bigger factor for me is it means that my movie theater experience is at, uh, like, DEFCON 6 level risk of being horrible. <laughs> horrible time. And one of these days, we're not going to be able to do the podcast anymore because I'm going to have such a bad movie theater experience that I'll be in jail the next oh, day. Boy. So <laughs> there's nothing. I'm a pretty mellow person, but movie theater etiquette poor movie theater etiquette brings out a rage in me that I, 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 I'm incapable of getting to in, in any other circumstance in the world. <laughs> we'll have to ra- unravel that in therapy one day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dr. Harper will help me. Um, but Unlikely. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he's got his own issues to work out and let's get into that. So the boogeyman uh, movie starts out with a really cool immediately a really awesome shot um like a 360 degree like tracking shot of it's it's like we're in a child's uh bedroom um there's a like really crazy looking crib like it looks almost like a, it's a cartoonishly well well sculpted or or uh crafted and there's like a little girl and she's like screaming uh and the camera like pans away from her and sort of like wraps around the whole room um, until, and it can, and it kind of gives us all the like information we need, you know, it like gives us mm-hmm. like photos of like the family, like we, we know how old she is. Um, we, we, you know, s- scroll right on past the, uh, <laughs> the closet. And then right as the camera would get tracked back around to the crib where we started, there's, you know, a like crazy, like, uh, rustle and commotion. And like, you hear a door slam and then you're just like a sudden stop of the child crying and like a gross blood splatter over the uh <laughs> over the like the family photo and it's like oh starting off hot yeah like, oh, like out the crib snatched out the crib chomp oh, snatched out the crib, i was man. like oh all right i i was pleasantly surprised by how how hot this movie came in the and that's just like the, that's the cold open pretty brutal cold open if you can kill a kid in your cold open 
you know you're in for a ride. Yeah. Another reason why I guess it's surprising that it was a PG-13, I thought there was like a, like a kid death rule that was like you can only kill kids in... I think it's on screen. Movies. I think there's an on screen <laughs> stipulation. Oh, that's what it is? Okay. Yeah, there's probably all sorts of weird, funky rules like that, right? Uh, and then, and also, a uh, little, I guess, uh, warning. Just bear with us, listeners, because we have only seen this movie once each, you know, and we saw it in theaters, and it is difficult to take notes in in theaters but we uh, you know we tried to do our best so if we do miss some stuff um only it's only the more reason for you to go see it for yourself and make your own opinions there you go very diplomatic yeah right um so then after that cold open um and maybe a title card i don't remember title card uh, we <laughs> we uh open back up on a different uh child's bedroom uh this is the bedroom of uh, Sadie Harper, played by Sophie Thatcher, who in this movie looks y- way younger than she does in Yellow Jackets. Was she younger when they filmed this? Because, like, I- I'm like, wait, she's, like, de-aging before I mean, they're happens. on, what, Yellow Jackets season two? I'm pretty sure that was filmed after this was. Mm. It must be, because she looks she looks a lot younger here. She's a lot rounder in the face. They really, uh, they really must have starved her out for, for the realism for that show. Yeah, yeah, they're starved. They're starving. So and so, uh, Sophie wakes up. It's like the morning. Wakes up, and we basically just get like the we establish uh, the the family, right? So we're in the house uh, of we're in the the Harper the house. Harper home. The Harper the Harper home is uh, Sadie Will Harper, who's the father, and Sawyer Harper, which is a fun name. I like the name Sawyer for for a girl. It's, underutilized, it's a underutilized name. <clears throat> Um, so, so, uh, Sadie is the, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do this the whole episode. I'm going to call her Sophie instead of Sadie. The names are too similar. <laughs> We're going to try our best. What you have to remember but, uh, is that Sadie, older, Sawyer, Sawyer, younger. younger. Um, how old would you say these? So Sophie's like a freshman, sophomore in high school. Sawyer must be like an elementary school or something, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure Sophie's, a. uh, uh sophomore yeah and so immediately like right out of the gate we get uh we're, we're clearly going to experience this story from a way from a different perspective than we did the short story because um uh will the dad will harper is the dr harper from the story we, well you know a version of dr harper from the story because he's a therapist um, yes, he's a therapist assume... with a in-home office he sees clients at his house which which is which crazy never, don't ever do that because you know what it, it never works out well for horror characters. If you're in a horror movie or horror show and you are a therapist who runs your practice out of your home, bad stuff is going to happen to you. Wasn't that the first season of American Horror Story? Absolutely was. And I bet you there's a dozen more instances that corroborate this theory. Don't do it. Just don't. I'm sorry to all the <laughs> home Just rent the space. Out rent there. the space. <laughs> But I'm just doing it. I'm listen. I don't want to poo-poo what you're doing with your life, therapists who listen. But I'm just looking out for <laughs> you and your family. I'm looking out for you guys, right? I don't want anything bad to happen. Just rent a space. We have a Discord. Join the Discord. Meet up with the other therapists, and you can go go in on it together. <laughs> Very hopeful. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, this for for the archive, um, and so. The you know we get introduced to the whole family. Sawyer is 
she's always carrying around like this really cool something that adds to the the, the cool lighting effect in this movie. It's like a big moon globe thing. It's like a moon that's like I don't know the size of like a basketball, and it's illuminated. It, like, yeah, it's, it's just it, an illuminated, it's illuminated moon toy thing. It's a nightlight yeah, for kids. And she uses that as uses it a nightlight. She like sleeps with it. Um, and like where whenever she has to like go down like her you know un- it's it's a poorly lit house i'll give her that like it's you know i can understand why she's afraid um but anytime she has to walk down like the hallways of her like house with no light bulbs um she like will take the 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 moon and just sort of like like soccer ball it down the hallway and like let it like light it up as it goes down there which is really cool um we soon find out well we get some like uh hints that uh some something happened to the mother we like kind of assume right out of the gate that she's dead Yes, um, and recently in a car accident. Yeah, yeah, which we yeah we find out that at some point I don't remember exactly when that she died in a car accident. So recently, they're like sort I think of pretty recently. So, yeah, I think yeah I think it's only been like it's been less than a year as far as I know. Um, because I think we we learn later that Sophie was like out of school for a month. Um, but that was it. You know, now she's back. This is her like first day back at school. Yes. Think, so she right? wakes up. She goes into her mom's room. She sees like this studio that her mom's had set up. Uh, she's got, you know, all these easels and paint supplies all over the place. She kind of wanders through the room, kind of, you know, feeling pretty sad. But she finds this closet of her mom's and she picks out a. a a dress that looked like it seemed to be pretty important to the mom. It was featured in a painting, like, in her studio. And she kind of collects all her shit, and she's out to school. So she's out the house. Uh, Sawyer's out the house. Our Sawyer's about to be out of the house, but uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Harper, Dr. Harper, is mm-hmm. seeing a client, no. a, a client for a early morning appointment. So... They kind of end on uh, uh, kind of a sad note in their therapy session, and she tries to, you know, even apologize. She's like, look, like, I know everything that's going on in my life must pale in comparison to yours. Like, you know, you just lost your wife. Like, that's tough. And he's like, yeah, well, we're here to talk about your problems. Let's not get into mine. But I got to get my kids to school, so let's, you know, let's wrap it up for today. Yeah, and it'll be like a theme of the movie that, you know, uh, he really does need to talk about his fucking problems because he's like the he quickly becomes like the worst therapist dad I could ever possibly imagine. But we follow um, but he, Sophie to school. We, yeah, they like like go to the school. They're driving down, and I just remember they're driving down the road, and there was like a part where they're like they're talking to each other, and th- they start like goofing. And this I hate when this happens in movies. They start like goofing around, and, and the dad is like immediately like their mother died in a car accident and he's turning around eyes off the road playing like fucking keep away with his daughter in the back seat and i'm like you have to be kidding me (laughs) eyes on the road um he drops sophie off at school she like everyone's kind of staring at her because now she's like the freaky kid whose mom died no one knows how to deal with that um, she opens her locker and apparently, like, left her lunch in there. She must have, like, gone home early, you know? Yeah, the they usually put out of school. And that's kind of, like, what I'm, I read from this because, like, she didn't eat the lunch that's been sitting in there. And it's just, like, she opens the brown bag and it's just, like, a bunch of fucking, like, yogurt. It's a like yogurt slop inside. It's like all moldy um, g- 
gooey shit. <laughs> and um, we get like introduced to uh, her like only friend in this movie. Um, I think her name yes. is Bethany. Yeah. Uh, her friend Bethany, who shows up and is like, you know, she's she's a nice friend. She's like tr- trying to like uh, see how she's feeling. She's trying to empathize with her. She doesn't really know how, but it's like, you know, that's not really her fault. Um, but then we get like after she is introduced, then like this other gaggle of like what I what I wrote down is like really like half hearted bullies shows up. it's like it's like they gave a bunch of these girls directions to be like oh now bully her but then they were like well we don't know yeah it's it's one of those situations (laughs) where uh her friend bethany has made a bunch of new friends in her absence uh -hmm. while she's like you know away from school dealing with the death of her mom and so now that she's back at school all of these new friends are kind of like oh hey it's the weird girl it's got the dead mom and they're so shitty I've never seen a group of less compassionate people. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I don't, I, I felt like I, they're the only part of the movie that I really had any trouble believing because like, I think they were really ha- very half-hearted in their performance as bullies. Like they were like clearly written to be bullies, but I was like, I don't believe any of you guys. I think it's supposed um, to be a more subtle type of uh, exchange. I think it's, I think it's intentionally like, we don't have to be outwardly like aggressive, but like they're very critical of. I mean, we're uh, living in the time Sadie. where I'm just saying we're we're living in the time of the bullies from Halloween Ends, you know, the, uh, the mean true. band kids. True. You know? so, like I'm used to. I've been I've been exposed to some crazy bullies. Uh, recently. They were overachievers. Yeah, so, so basically, like I just re- the only like gross part here is that that one of the girls like says something and then Sadie's like fuck you and then the girl like shoves her and then like the bag of yogurt slop pops all over her and it is sad because she's wearing like her mom's dress you know so like she she starts to cry and like her mom's dress that she was wearing you know is all ruined and so she leaves school she like ditches school and runs home and while she's running home we cut back to like the therapist's office which again is in his house which is a bad idea um but he's say he's like uh I think that one patient leaves and as they leave, we see like the shadow of somebody like hanging out outside their house. And it's like clearly supposed to like seem creepy, but like we know it's, you know, the creepiness comes from the closets, not from outside. So uh, we're not too worried yet. Um, And this creeper at the door is uh, one Lester Billings, the same character from the short story, uh, the one who... I believe in, he also said that in this movie, he, you know, he, he originally like the will doesn't want to let him in. Cause he's like, this is weird, but yeah, he just kind of looks... like walks through the house and like knocks on the door to his office. And he's like, Hey, I want, I need to speak to you, doctor. And he's like, Oh yeah, uh, he does just I don't let himself really in. know you. I don't do this without like an initial but, consultation. Yeah. But you know what? That's the problem with running an office out of your house is like how people don't know, like, you know, that they can't come into your living room before they get to your door. Yeah. Because like, you know, like, how is this a doctor's office? Like, is this the waiting room? Like, wait, it doesn't make any is sense. This the you waiting need to separate. Room? You need to separate it. Separate it. <laughs> They're just watching your HBO. <laughs> They're using your Netflix account. <laughs> I can't share mine anymore. I can only watch Netflix and my therapists. Lester lets himself into the house and knocks on the door. And like you were saying, right, he, he 
originally Will is like, nah, I don't, this is weird. Uh, maybe don't walk through my whole house next time, uh, make an appointment or get a referral. But he's like, you know, I mean, so first of all, you know, Lester is looking quite disheveled. And all, he's it's it's David Desmalkin, so he's got that sort of like, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man 3 sort of vibe going on. Like he's 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 really going through it. And um, Will is just too, you know, it's, it's you know, it's he, he can't bring it to himself to to kick the guy out. So he's like, all right, well, let's do a quick session, which is crazy because this is not how the world unethical works, so. <laughs> bad doctor. So hey, I have these down. things that I you know I need you to do before <laughs> I can take you on as a patient legally. But I guess whatever, just fucking yeah, just sit down. Let's you know, let's hear your sob story. Terrible doctor. Lester's house is going to get a crazy bill after the event. <laughs> he didn't go through insurance. It's going to be wild. He's going to be you know whatever. But uh, he and he proceeds to tell essentially what is the whole story. This the this whole scene is. Is the Which I story. think is a perfect way to, like, make a movie out of this short story. You just use that this, as your yeah, springboard, yeah. then you go, okay, what happens next? And that's a great way to, you know, build out this world. Yeah, I think it's fantastic because it's, it, you know, that keeps the characters, like, involved. It twists it a little bit. But you still get, like, this is this is the, the, the story. It's, it, it's, he says, oh, um, paraphrased a bit but he says basically everything that he does in the short story and it's great it's a great way to do it he's a slightly uh, more sympathetic version of uh lester so billings because he's clearly like troubled and he you know has you know he, he seems like he has a good heart he seems like he is genuinely like upset yeah. that all of this has happened and, and he's not you know like a drunk racist piece of shit 70s dad yeah, you do feel bad for him, although there are still points where you're like, well, you, but you're not making yourself look like super great. Your story's not convincing still. Definitely better than uh, than the Lester from the, the short story. Um, and so I think the main the, difference the, for this, though, is that he tells him like, hey, I need to record this for, you know, like my own notes. Like I need to record yes, a session. Yeah. So they have an audio mm-hmm. recording of everything he says. And Lester also provides uh, Dr. Harper with a drawing. He said he asked mm-hmm. his one of his kids to draw what they were seeing at night. And so he rips this, you know, piece of paper out of a notebook. And so this is where Will is like, um, you know what? This guy actually is making me uncomfortable and sort of goes like, uh, I got to pee. And then just like <laughs> sc- scurries out of the room. And starts making a phone call to the police saying, like, hey, there's this guy here. Like, he seems pretty unhinged. Uh, Like, he's not a patient of mine. He just showed up. And while this is happening, Lester just, like, decides to go on a fun little romp and explore the whole rest of the house. Well, because he's in the office and the closet door opens in the office. And he's like, all right, well, uh, I guess I'm out of here. And he takes off through exploring through the house. And that's when Sophie, Sadie comes home uh and starts uh you know she puts like her dress in the wash um and starts like you know cleaning up and stuff and i guess like her dad didn't notice that she was home yet or and she didn't notice that her dad was like probably still working and then she hears like a like rustling from a a, a room down the hall and she goes in and this is the again this is the mom's like art studio and it's like 
It is there like nothing more sympathetic than like a dead mom who loved to paint? Nothing. The right? only like, painting like, that she um, has on her easel is like a, a a painting of their whole family together, and it's like, all right, well, that's about as mom as it can get. Yeah. Although, let me tell you, I uh, I wrote this down later in the notes. There were multiple times in this movie where I was having like um, haunting of Hill House moments because there's all this mom's paintings hung up throughout the whole house, and it's just like people's heads. And I kept thinking there was like ghosts and stuff behind characters. I'm like, oh no, that's just another fucking. It's a weird painting. painting of somebody's head. <laughs> God damn it! It happened multiple times. Uh, and but anyway, so Sadie, you know, goes into the the studio because that's where the rustling was coming from. And I think there was like stuff knocked. Oh, over. the whole place was uh, trashed. Right. The, yeah. the painting that her mom had been working on has a big hole punched through it. Like, Oof. and it's like Lester. Yeah, it's fucked. Why? It's fucked. Uh, and you know she basically like eventually makes her way to the closet that's in the back of the studio because she's well like you know whatever's going on like it's the only place they'd be coming from and she starts to hear like she obviously it's lester in the closet but she hears like other like another voice and she sort of it's like almost like they're having an argument like lester in this other voice and then there's like a scuffle that happens uh and then she like opens the opens the door right like yes. gets in she and then, walks like, into in the there. closet and we get a shot from within the closet looking out towards the door. Mm-hmm. We see her enter in the closet, and as she closes the door behind her, there's Lester Billings hanging from the backside of the door, like dead. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a good shot. It's a good shot, and it's brutal. Uh, Sadie turns around. We get a really good scream out of her. Because Sophie's like, I don't know what she's doing like to get her voice the way it is, but like she should... Keep doing it because, like, her good voice scream. is so unique. I think it's a good scream, too. <laughs> I, she, she got long. Yeah, she yeah. could scream. Yeah, she's got a good scream and she's got a unique voice. She, so, like, she, like, good job. Good jobs, Sophie. And so this is when now, like, uh, the dad, like, runs in and, like, sees the, 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 the scene. And we cut to um, uh, Sawyer, who's, like, t- riding the bus home. And this was just like, it's not a really important scene, but it was like, I was like, man, kids suck because as they pull up, the bus pulls up to in front of her house where there's all these police cars and there's like a body, Lester's body is being loaded into a, the, the ambulance. And one of the kids is like, did your dad die too? And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, Jesus. Uh, and so then all the families back together, they've having endured yet another trauma, although Lester's death probably hits them a little less hard than mom's. It's but. still another fucked up day in the life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Dr. Harper's kind of speaking to uh, an investigator or some sort of uh, policewoman. And, uh, you know, they're talking about like, oh, you know, it's clearly a suicide, blah, blah, blah. And Sadie kind of pipes up and she's like, well, do you have like, why do you think it's a suicide? And her dad kind of tries to like shush her a little bit and he's like hey look like you don't need to like we we can me and her can handle this and the investigator is surprisingly interested she's like well what do you mean do i have evidence this is suicide why do you think it's not a suicide she kind of tells her like yeah Yeah, like it sounded like there was a fight in there Mm -hmm. meanwhile poor, poor sawyer comes home and she has no fucking clue what's going on yeah and then I think after this scene, we cut to later on that night, um, Sawyer and Sawyer and Sadie. So 
this is what the the dad was playing with her about earlier when he wasn't watching the road is this whole movie Sawyer's got this fucking loose tooth she's trying to get rid of and I'm like I'm like I know this tooth is gonna be a problem and you know they keep they she keeps playing with it she keeps like showing kids the loose tooth and uh she like I think she gets scared awake and then goes to see Sadie and she's like oh it just must be your tooth bothering you like it's probably time for that to come out and she's like well you know what why don't I do what mom did for me and it's like I've never seen a single person actually do this in real life they do the old the old tooth and string and door you've never done trick. that I, I think I got three teeth no. out like that no I just waited until the tooth came out like a normal like my body like biology wanted. It came oh, out when it was. God, there. I could not stand my teeth being loose. Ugh. I hate that. It's <laughs> got the chills um, thinking about loose teeth. And so they they have this whole fucking crazy, insane setup. How do you even tie it's, the string around? What do you mean That's insane? Cra- I don't even know how it works. You just make a loop and you loop it around the tooth. That's all it takes. As long as it's tight on the tooth, you're good. Then you tie the other yeah. one to the doorknob. And <laughs> I don't know how this is better than just letting the tooth come out. Because it's it goes pops right out. Well, anyway, uh, Sawyer agrees with me because once it's all set up, she's like, this shit's crazy. I don't want to do it anymore. And <laughs> Sadie is like, well, listen, listen, it just we will count to three, breathe through it. And, and and like, I promise it'll be fine. And before she can even say a single number, the closet door slams closed and pulls that tooth right out. And it's just like, oh, I knew it was coming. Like, I knew the second it was attached to that fucking closet that Boogeyman was going to was going to pull him. I like this one. Move. I thought this was a good I <laughs> thought this was a cool sequence. I was like, that's pretty smart. No, it is good. But the crazy thing about it is so like Sawyer gets really scared and she's like upset because she's like, you said you'd count to three. And, you know, Sadie's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and and then it like you know, cuts to later that night. They, and they left the tooth on the ground. They just Yeah, left that's kind of goofy. You gotta, that's for the tooth fairy. That's, I th- that's yeah, the tooth I thought fairy's the tooth whole, now. I thought the whole reason this chick even wanted this tooth out was because she was trying to get a couple bucks from the fairy. But no, they just leave that fucking thing just in the middle of the floor, string still attached, like nobody's gonna clean that Man, biohazard she's like, up. What, seven? Like, you think she's on her grind set? She's like, I gotta get this tooth for that dollar. Yeah, I do. When you were a kid, <laughs> you you weren't all about that. If the tooth fairy was gonna get you a couple bucks, I got like um, commemorative coins. But it was also around this point where I wrote that I noticed that, like, you know, I mean, I understand that he's a therapist, and his wife probably you know, they probably want us to think she made like good, like you know, the very rare good artist money. But like in reality, she was probably selling stuff for pennies on Etsy. But their apartment. Like, their other house, like, the closets in this house are, like, entire New York studios by themselves. These closets are fucking They do. They have three walk-in closets in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, the the size of the closets in this movie. And I get it. It's a Boogeyman movie. The closets are a focal point. But Jesus. Uh, And this is where I believe we cut to the next day. um, Well, we see the gross tooth on the floor and the string is like right at the edge of the doorway and all of a sudden the rope dental floss gets pulled and it gets yanked in to the door <laughs> through this little crack in the yeah, doorway and i was like you Ugh. can picture the you can picture the boogeyman on the other side of the string going like 
Just like hand over hand pulling the little string. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get this one. And uh oh right, and before before they went to bed, the 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 dad had a phone call with the kids. So the kids are seeing a therapist to deal like together to deal with the trauma. And the 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 this this the other therapist is like, hey, I think it's really important that like they they heal with you. You should come in and you can all talk about it together. And he's like, nah, I don't need to talk about my feelings. And I'm like, all right, so you're like a really bad therapist if you can't self-identify that like you also like have the to work very normal, stuff. understandable, like surface level <laughs> thing of like your wife died and now you're a single parent and maybe you need to talk to someone. Yeah, I think it's kind of pathetic. <laughs> he's he's such a such a goon most of this movie, but it's really funny. Because I, in my notes, so the uh, the boogeyman gets it, he, you know, he pulls the tooth in. <laughs> and we're going to come back to this note because I wrote this and I went, I went, ah, tooth. And then I went, well, at least I don't have to deal with the tooth anymore. Oh, how wrong I was. Wrong. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I also wrote, again, I, I love the, this, like, m- the moon nightlight thing because it's such a good, like, device for creating, like, new jump scares, like, that we, like, in ways that we haven't seen them before with, like, stuff jumping out of the shadows because yeah. all of the lighting in this movie creates, like, way more interesting, like, light and dark situations than we're used to seeing, which it was just, like, such a breath of fresh air. Um, and I just wrote it down multiple times. It was, like, in a... He was like in the Pearl Review when I took heavy notes and I just kept being like, colors! <laughs> <laughs> and also corn! <laughs> um, in this, in a series of events, she finds like uh, Lester's composition notebook. Yeah, Sadie, Sadie goes on the hunt. She's like, something weird happened today. I need to know what happened. Yeah, I don't know if there's another, there might be another like hallway, like globe light you know jump scare sequence that like gets Sawyer even more worked up um and that's what like really riles up Sadie and she but yeah she does kind of go on the hunt she goes into her dad's office and finds the composition notebook uh own of Lester like underneath where he was sitting uh, and then she does the old <laughs> the old like kid detective trick of doing the like pen side of the pencil on the paper to like find out what was written on the page before it an etching yeah she does she does an etching yeah. on that page i'm glad you knew the term i think it. it's a relief somebody's it's a relief etching somebody's got to f- be the smart one here it's only like we went to art school oh. <laughs> it's so funny too because so she does it she you know she does the etching and we get what the drawing of the boogeyman was that he that lester showed will and the way Will looked when he saw the drawing made me think we were getting like a police rendering like a accurate d- depiction of like this horrible looking monster but when, <laughs> like, when, when Sadie looks at it it, it it is an actual like shitty four-year-old's drawing of of what a boogeyman might look like it is the dopiest looking thing but I, in my mind, I went back and I was like, Will looked like he was about to shit his pants with how scary this drawing was. And it's so, it's the most realist, it's the most believable kids drawing I've seen in like a decade in a movie. Right? Like, it's always like, <laughs> oh, wow, a kid did not draw this. This is like way too specific or good. But I looked at this and I was like, yeah, I kid drew this. A kid definitely drew it, but why did he look so scared? And you know what? This drawing gets hauled around and shown to adults the rest of this movie, and they're all like, oh. <laughs> like, what? what are we 
they doing here? But the entire time that Sadie is checking out her dad's office, Sawyer is upstairs and she's completely alone. Mm. While she she is in bed and she's trying to go to sleep and like her dad had tucked her in and she made, you know, the dad check the closet for monsters because understandably a guy hung himself in their house closet like the same day. So she's like, hey, dad, maybe you want to check out the closet. He leaves and she's there alone with her little orb and Mm -hmm. the closet door just kind of like creaks open a smidge just enough to get her attention and then it slams open and we hear a gross little skittering. She like leans over the bed just in time. It sounds slimy and slippery. It's wet, but it is, it is, it has some weight to it. Also, I have, I, I have, I have a theory. I have a theory. So just it's it's the thing pops out. It's slimy and slippery, and it kind of slithers really like lightning fast, right? Like under to under the bed. And this will come up later, but yeah, I just want to put put a seed in your okay. head. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is so then we get the and this scene was in the trailer because we get the shot of her like doing the upside down, and this is crazy as a as a former little kid who was scared of everything. <laughs> the idea. The i the to that she even has the the fucking gall to assume there's a monster under her bed and she's gonna just like dangle her head right her face arms, right over the edge like face right right over the edge and that's she you have to be fucking shitting me Sawyer <laughs> like come on you hide under that blanket no not even a toe out in the the air no <laughs> you hide under that blanket and you don't even think about checking under the bed but she does you know and she like drops the she drops the little ball down or the orb the, the moon and like rolls it under um and at first there's like nothing and then we get like a really good like she's like looks one direction and like looks the other right and then it like we get a little jump scare yeah she we, falls out of the bed we get a and, very like, quick fucking, flash of the boogeyman's face and it's gross. It is gross. Instead of teeth, there's like all these gross, like interlocked fingers for its mouth. It's like, mm-hmm. it's it's nasty. It's nasty. And then uh, I think she wakes up uh, after that, and then she's like goes more on the hunt for this creature, which is like crazy. Yeah, she like um, because she she. This is when we get another cool shot of her. The same shot as before, where she kicks the the moon globe down the the hallway and it like lights up the whole because now the house is like pitch black right Mm -hmm. and like the shots are really cool it like lights up the whole hallway as it goes down and then the this time though the globe like rolls around the corner and then you just hear like a crack and the light goes out and i'm like oh no the moon (laughs) (laughs) no we like that thing um and so then that happens and then we cut back to uh sadie who's doing her more investigation and she finds the or she had already found like the tape recorder with lester's session on it and she's like listening to it and she gets to the point where we are like past like after um her dad will have the left the, yeah her dad her dad left the room and left lester in there and this is when we start hearing him have like an like he's like talking to himself and like freaking out and then like i guess he like has like an interaction with the boogeyman and like there's like a scary noise and <laughs> fucking right in, like uh, like 5 feet away from her is this like big old pit like lemonade pitcher of water that's just sitting there and Sadie gets so scared she goes huh! 
and like <laughs> makes like a once once in a lifetime fucking like NBA like game winning shot where she like fucking accidentally flings this tape recorder and that it lands right into this pitcher and I'm like Sadie you couldn't have done that again if you this is me I, I was like oh yeah that's my luck I would do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes the perfect like, like boop, right into the water. I was fucking cracking up so much. Uh, so she grabs and then, that and runs into the kitchen to try to dry it off because she's like, "Fuck! If mm-hmm. my dad finds out that I've been in his office, like this is gonna be not good." Mm-hmm. And as she's like drying it off, this is when we get our uh, uh, our first glimpse at the boogeyman is now targeting her. And he's, this is where we find out he's just a creepy little corner guy. He's one of those goblins that likes to just, like, stick himself in the top corner of a shot and just, like, hang, hang on the ceiling, like, being creepy. He's a creepy little corner boy. They do that, like, lighting effect, like, that they've, that's, it's been a very common trend. They did it a lot in, like, Midnight Mass with the vampires. The, like, dog. Oh, you love this one. The dog, cat, like, light on their eyes, like, effect. You know, the, the, the boogeyman, we catch his eyes like this, like, all over the movie. It's very creepy. It always works. That's why they do it a lot these days. Because <laughs> everyone agrees it, it's terrifying. It's pretty good. But she she's kind of like noticing it. She she kind of catches like a she's a she's about to notice it, right? Like she's about to get a really good look at it. But then fucking Sawyer comes in and like judo kicks the shit out of her. She like Sawyer comes in and goes like you asshole, bat, and like kicks her in the shin and completely like floors her. Dude knocks her right <laughs> off her feet. It was so <laughs> funny. Such a good. She, and like, then she's like kicks her leg right out from under. Her. Yeah, and she's on the ground, and she's like, Sawyer, where are you? And Sawyer just, like, punches her again on the ground. I'm like, holy shit, this little kid's gonna kill her. But yeah, she's giving her shit because she thinks her sister was the one, like, you know, fucking with her in the dark. She's like, why would you do that? Why would you mess with me? I was so scared. Like, that was such a mean trick. I can't believe you did that. How did you do that with your voice? And she's like, what do you mean, how did I do that with my voice? What are you talking about? I think that's, like, pretty much it for that scene. Basically, like, the two girls, they, you know, Sawyer and Sadie, they make up. But um, the next day, we uh, are back at school. Sadie is sitting on the steps being, you know, the the, the loner chick uh, that nobody can relate to anymore. And But then her friend, you know, uh, her friend uh, Bethany sits down with her. And we get, you know, again, the, the whole movie, Bethany is, like, trying to be... Like, like, trying to, like, help Sadie, like, normalize again, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just be like, come on. She's like, come on. Like, I, I, she understands that it was hard for her, but she's like, I really want to, like, be friends again. You know, Bethany's not, like, bullying. She just isn't stopping the bully chicks from bullying. Which she's is, just not you know, backing bad, up her best friend. <laughs> she's letting her friend yeah. kind of take a lot of hits out there. But so basically socially. Sadie goes, Sadie, um... Says like it basically boils down to like well if you want to make it up to me you can, do you have your car with you you know and so she's like yeah why and so she Sadie has Bethany drive her to the ad, the home address uh, house number two seventeen she has uh, Bethany drive her to um, Lester's house and it is like full on like decrepit like outside has like the word murderer like spray painted on it the thing nothing's been mowed the, the, the paint's chipping off of the house it's like it looks like the windows it, are all shuttered in, and like nailed it's been closed in ruin. yeah this place looks like it's been in ruin for years 
Um, she goes inside and she's just kind of like looking for anything. There's like everything, like food, old food is all over the place. Like it is, it's a nasty. She um, has to sneak around to like the back side of the house to get in because the front door, like she knocks and it's like complete. No one comes. It's locked. So she sneaks around and like the very back glass slider is like completely broken open. So she just kind of like sneaks into the house and she's creeping around. Some light breaking and entering. Yeah. It looked it looked to me like like a house that I've been to. Like it looked like a hoarded like alcoholic's house. Like I, mm-hmm. I I've been in a space like this where I'm like, oh okay, yeah. Yeah, it hit a little close to home for you there. It was it hit me in the PTSD. You've seen you've seen enough of them. <laughs> uh, and as she's in there, she she. There's really not much that she gets from the bottom floor of the house. So she makes her way. I don't know if she. Oh, she she makes her way to like the the front foyer of the house and turns around and sees the staircase leading up to the second floor. And this is where what I have written down is it is just full of like the the boogeyman's boogies. Like he's got this like there's this weird effect in this movie where like the spaces that the boogeyman inhabits sort of just grow these uh, the, they're just black boogies they like, refer to it as nesting like, <laughs> right like wherever the boogeyman yeah. is nesting it creates this like kind of like vein like mold looking shit that goes like all over like the, yeah, the so ceiling it's like black and mold, the, basically. the yeah and it, it but just more veiny yeah it's it is very veiny it's very like uh like networky like that yeah, Less I just spore-ish. refer to it as the. My notes just refer to it as the boogeyman's boogies. The rest. The of boogies this is pretty good. The boogie, his bo- he gets his boogies all over, and so she goes up the stairs, which is crazy. Uh, but when she gets up there, I-, I I wasn't really sure where this movie was going because she gets up there and the landing, the hallway landing there is filled to the brim with lit candles. And I'm like, isn't this house abandoned? Like, who? how long have these candles been lit? How is this house not burned? Yeah, now? all of the candles are, like, burned almost maybe two inches off the ground. They're like, it's just the entire hallway is, like, 80 candles all, like, you know, it stacked together along the walls. House. It's a cool Way more than shot. 80, man. H- hundreds of candles. But, yeah, it is cool. It looks cool. It looks really cool, but it's I, my, the practical side. Big, of it was like this is big fire this is hazard. Fire hazard. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, but then, as she starts to explore the 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 second floor some more, she like walks over to a like hallway closet, and it's like this really tense scene where she like slowly reaching for the door and she like really quickly opens it and there's it's a good jump scare because there's like a big bright flash and like she gets like scared and it's because like a polaroid camera on like a spring lock like trap was set up to like take a photo such a good one always Um, gets me and she's like and she's like holy shit and then she like you know recovers and then another good scare she takes the polaroid and like shakes it up and i mean polaroids don't develop this fast but that's fine that she shakes it and as it develops, she sees that there's someone behind her in the photo. Chilling. And, Shitting yeah, my pants. Ch- ter- terrifying. But um, so she like gets t- scared and she like turns around. And this is, where, this is where we meet sad shotgun mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rita Billings. Yes, this is Lester Billings' wife, the uh, mother of the three deceased children. This is the widow Billings. <laughs> 
the widow the widow Billings who just lives in Candleland. <laughs> okay, so the whole thing is that this boogeyman can't be in the light. It has to exist in the darkness. Yeah, but like Why did she little... brick up these windows? Yeah, that I don't know. All of the windows are covered in newspaper so no one can see in. But it's like, dude, that's all your natural light. Why wouldn't you leave those open? Yeah, you would want... Because the day is the only time... You'd Actually, what you would want to do is make more windows in the house. You want to knock down walls. Lots of skylights. Basically, if you want to stop the boogeyman in this given context, you basically just want a complete open floor plan. You want a single-story home... No walls, open floor, all, and and you want one of those like rich people, like the like the house that the the Twilight, the vampires live in. This is like all glass, you know. You want that. <laughs> yes, yes, a hundred percent. You you don't want you don't want any wall. You want a big old glass house, uh, or the one the bit that the architect built in uh, the orphan. You want one of those houses because that's how you really deal with the boogeyman. You just make it uninhabitable. He can't get to you. Natural light, all the time. No closets. No closets. Perfect, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that uh, <laughs> when the movie was going, but now that you bring it up, this makes it makes absolutely like no sense. Like she has all these old alternative, like you know, generated light sources. Like she has like big floodlights that you would see like on a construction site, or like and- yeah, contractor lights, and then all the candles. And it's like, well, you've like boarded up your windows. Like I don't know if you realize this, but like light comes in through those. She's- <laughs> well, the only all right, so. The only thing I can guess, um, and this this is, it, it makes more sense in context later in the movie, is that she might have done that on purpose to give her more opportunity to hunt the boogeyman during the day, too. Oh, you think she's increasing her exposure intentionally. I like that. She Yes, yeah, she might want to do it at this point. So, like, that that could be it. But even, but, but still, your point stands. Um... But this is where we get, um, so, you know, there's, like, a brief ambush where, like, the, 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 the Witto Billings is, like, are you just here, are you here, is this some sort of joke, you here to play a prank on the, 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 the sad family, the sad crazy lady, you know, and, and, but Sophie is immediately, like, no, like, crazy shit's happening to me, I, I came here, like, for answers, I need help, and. Yeah, she tells, she tells her, she's, like, your, your husband came to talk to my dad and hung himself in our home, like, yeah, and then she explains it all, and uh, the widow Billings is like, "Oh, Lester, what did you do?" She's like, "Well, he it it must have jumped to you, you know. He must have led it right to you." And then she explains how it's like this, you know, the the boogeyman in quotes is the is like this creature that like you know it 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 latches on to like families like you know and like grief opens you up to. Um, to to it finding you and then it just like you know slowly eats away you and then it like it'll kill your the kids and stuff um this is not i I, obviously they don't talk about this at all in the book because the the, uh, they don't ever go into that like the 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 super net they don't actually go into the boogeyman entity in any sort of depth um but in the context of this movie the way they're explaining it it is not dissimilar to how the outsider operates in the outside. yes okay that that yeah i didn't think about that i to me it immediately jumped out as like the it follows entity because it can like mimic the way it sounds and it i 
I think in yeah, the, she in the explains short that, like, story, it can, it can look like other people, but like it, it can it can definitely change the way it sounds. Yeah, she explains. Uh, the the wife explains that it can yeah it can sound however like it can sound like your kids. It can sound like you. Um, it, it it can like I don't know if she says that it can change how it looks. Um, that is how it is in the book in the short story. But basically, I, I'm assuming that uh, the writers have read The Outsider or at least saw The Outsider series. And they probably also saw it or they're probably well well aware of Stephen King. Board. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just put my theory out there that this is just... So like Pennywise and The Outsider and in my headcanon, The Boogeyman are all um, from the same... It's like this there's like this subspace that like horrors like like those things exist and they they talk about it a lot in the Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. You were uh, telling me about like, that, yeah. Because the, 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 the Dark Tower series, like the, the characters there are more a little more like action hero-y and they tend to like have to deal with that stuff a lot more. But basically there is like a subspace where horrors like Pennywise exist, um, where they're safe from like uh anything that could actually harm them and sometimes they sort of like wiggle their way into our reality and they all sort of like feed on different you know versions of horrible things so like Mm -hmm. pennywise feeds on on fear the outsider feeds on suffering um and it's kind of in this the boogeyman kind of has the outsider vibe it's similar you know maybe i don't know a similar species but slightly different you know but so my headcanon is that he's they, – they're probably thinking that it's, like, along those lines, you know? Makes sense to me. If that's where he decides to, you know, take all of his terrible, freaky little Pokemon from, I don't see why he wouldn't have plucked this guy out of the same, you know, subspace. Right? Exactly. And he's been thinking – he had been thinking about the Dark Tower for, like, basically his whole life anyway. So totally makes sense that he – you know, even stuff like the Boogeyman would have been coming from that sort of, like, headspace. But yeah, we even get like a cool, I, I like that something that the, the, the widow says is she goes like, fire was the first thing man used to fight the darkness. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> it, it gave me chills. I was like, oh, that's spooky. Cause she, cause Sophie's like, where did it come from? And like the, the, the widow is like, I think it's always been here. Uh, she, and then she, like, she does the thing. <laughs> the other thing that I would love to retire is the fucking trope of like, if there's a monster or a creature, there's always somebody who's like, well, what they call it is the thingamajig. And it's like, yeah, guys, <laughs> guys, can we stop this, please? This is like a fucking 50 year old trope. <laughs> yeah, she does go, they call it the boogeyman. And it's like, all right, nobody would say that because you'd say, make yourself sound even crazier. <laughs> and she Widow immediately Billings. follows it up with, yeah, I used to feel this. I used to roll my eyes just like you did when my kids said it. And it's like, can you at least preface it with like, hey, I know it's going to sound crazy, but this is what we call This is what we call it. It might have another name, but this is what we call it. Yeah, right. We call it the boogeyman, but it's it's different. It's older than that. It's like, you know, yeah, the boogeyman could be anything. But this thing is is different you know you can there's there's a better way to phrase it you're right like there's a way to make it sound not cheesy but this movie didn't do it so you know that's a pretty minor gripe it's just so pretty they called it the boogeyman boogeyman. (laughs) it just reminds me of the 
It's the poo poo pee pee man. It's the, the poo poo pee pee man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but then we, we, even though that's pretty lame, immediately following that is a cool bit where the conversation suddenly stops and the widow Billings is like, don't move. And she like gets really quiet and she's like, it's right behind <laughs> you. Don't. She's like, she's like speaking through her teeth and Sadie's like, what do I do? And she's like, just stay still. It's standing right there. It's like really like it's funny, but it's also creepy because you can't see all because it's like the whole scene is just a close up on Sophie Thatcher's face. And she's like, what the fuck do you want me to do, lady? Uh, And but um, but so, yeah, the 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 widow like shoots the the boogeyman behind Sadie and then Sadie like ducks and like covers and scatters out of the way and she like runs down the stairs and out the front door and you can hear like the widow like blasting away <laughs> yeah. as she runs and her friend her, fr- her friend I, I wrote it down because it's so funny because Bethany is like what were you doing in there buying drugs <laughs> it's like yeah that's exactly as, as, as there's, exactly shotgun, what it was. there's shotgun blasts firing off and she's like, what were you doing, buying drugs? And she's like, no, we got to get out of here. Um, and, like, all I could think about this whole time is just, like, where is their father in any of these scenes? Because at this point, it's been, like, 15 minutes and we haven't seen the dad so like, she, at all. So the dad thinks she's at school. They cut school to go to, to the Billings house. So then they go back and she drops her off at home. And then is this where he's moving all the this mom's is, stuff yes. out? But he's but but now but she we still don't see the dad. There's no like oh what's going on or anything. It, it takes until like like ten or eleven p.m. that ne- that night, and she hears like rustling around in the hallway, and she goes outside, and it's the finally we see the dad again. And I'm like I'm glad he's still in this movie, um, and. She he's like moving boxes out of the mom's studio and Sadie's like, what are you doing? And this is where we get the he's like, again, being so shitty because like he's only thinking about himself mm-hmm. and like he and as a therapist, like he he's not even thinking about the most emotionally beneficial way to help himself. He's just being terrible. And what he's doing is just he's like, I can't deal with anything. Life's so hard. And he's just throwing out all of his wife's belongings all her painting, all her supply, everything that was touched by his wife, he's like throwing out. Yeah, and, he's hiding from the problem. And it's like, dude, who gave you a license? <laughs> this and is like, it's, it's like, what? Like, the the only worst therapist that I can think of is the is fucking Tony Soprano's therapist. Look, don't you talk shit about Doctor Malfi. <laughs> all right, you're right. She's not the worst. Her, her therapist, therapist is, the, is worst. the worst. That guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh eventually like it basically we we get like a little like gleam of of light at the end of the tunnel during this fight because you know Sadie is like obviously upset you know she doesn't she doesn't want to let all this stuff go um and so the dad kind of like looks at her and he's like I think he says like you're, you're right like it's not you know it's this isn't the right thing to do just you know 
keep what you want and like we'll throw out the rest and then but Sadie goes well what if I want to keep all of it and then he goes well I'll keep all of it then and then he storms off and I'm like oh my fucking god like it was like close we were close to a breakthrough yeah, I mean just even like being a dad like you don't even have to be a therapist like even if you're just the dad it's like yeah maybe they would want some of this I'm, but I'm just extra disappointed because he's a therapist like I yeah. this is a terrible this movie is a terrible referral for his practice <laughs> But so she decides to take everything down to the basement, and so that's where like he's storing all the the stuff. So she's got a big box of a bunch of her shit, and she she goes down into the basement and she's writing keep on all of her mom's things. Like she she doesn't want any of it to go away. She needs to hold on to it. She needs to go through it. And uh, so she ends up opening one box and she sees that her mom's got this little tin where it looked like she used to keep like her like vial of ink or maybe where she would clean her brush but what else is in here oh we got we got some fucking sweet we got a little weed stash oh mom's secret stash uh yeah so we found so she pockets mom's secret stash and then she also um she finds a watches zippo like too, a right? video yeah yeah she, yeah she finds a zippo which obviously you have to have your lighter with your stash right you keep it there um because you don't want to oh, be without a light. You don't want to be let without me tell fire. You, it's always a search for fire every single time. It's like, where yeah. did I put the fire? Where's the fire? And so she also watches a, she finds like a camcorder um, that has like a home video of like her mother singing to her as a baby. Um, and we get like a creepy little bit where the, the, you hear the boogeyman like mimicking the mom's like singing voice, like in the shadows. Oh, it's, it's very, so it's very gross. spooky. We also um, get this moment then, where she's she's been researching um like how to communicate with the dead and like she's watching this goofy YouTube video oh where this God. lady's doing a séance oh. thing and she's like just ask the spirits to move the flame spirits if oh you're God, here dude, move the flame is... to the le- bend the flame to the left yes that was it at the beginning of the movie she's watching a fucking YouTube video on how to communicate with the dead and it's like the, the the thing is like you, you you have a candle and then you ask the candle like if you're the the person is like if you're here with us spirit move the flame to the left and I'm like between this and the tooth I'm gonna hear about these two things the whole fucking movie aren't I pretty much and, <laughs> yeah it's another you know it's one of them uh, it's one of them Chekhov's candles you know but yeah she takes she takes the opportunity when she finds the lighter while she's like watching the video of her mom and she's like mom if you're here like just bend the flame just please bend the flame. And then we hear right, nothing happens, and that's when yes. we hear the creepy singing. Then we hear that gross. It's it's like it's 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 scary. It's like it's very a little reverby. It's a little like pitch altering. It's like you can tell that the boogeyman is like trying its hardest to like match the pitch. It's like trying to harmonize. I think Savage definitely watched the 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 first two Conjuring movies uh, in preparation for this because there's definitely some wan energy in some of these like scenes and shots. You know? Yeah, definitely similar. Uh, and so after that, uh, nothing bad happens. Nothing too bad happens in the basement. The next day after that, we get <laughs> she's she brought the whole camcorder. And is watching this, like, I don't know, on the toilet during lunch or something. And I'm like, oh, honey. Yeah, she's in the stall. <laughs> That's a home activity. Yeah, no, you don't bring that to school. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but you get a cute scene where like her friend Bethany finds her and they're like talking between stalls and they like they sort of like make amends and there's like a cute little they do like a cute little handshake thing. And I was like, this is like this is nice. It's nice to see like friends in a movie where it's like I it all feels a little good. Sometimes you don't like want your character to be miserable like the whole time. There <laughs> was nice to, there like, was a moment like in this scene though where she's like in the stall by herself and her friend is in the stall next to her. She is like talking to her over the wall of the stall, like looking down into her stall. And then she hops mm-hmm. down and we get like the reverse perspective where it's like up. Like you see up towards where she was standing and she's not mm-hmm. there. The door opens and like somebody either like comes in or leaves. And then her friend starts talking to her again. And immediately I was like put on edge. I was like, wait a minute. Did her friend walk out of the bathroom already? Is it dark mm. enough in that stall next to her? Like, is this the boogeyman, like, right, mimicking like, her friend's right, voice? Oh, no. Yeah, but it, but it's not. It's a nice little scene. Um, and then this is where we get where Bethany convinces Sadie to have a boogeyman slumber party. Uh, no, she invites all the, all of the, like... The bullies who this is what I, I don't think I, she suggests. Bethany says something that suggests that they were all friends at one point. Maybe not like as close as Bethany and Sadie were, but they were apparently all like hanging out. Um, because I otherwise I would think it would be really weird that she was like, yeah, sure, invite all my bullies. Over. Terrible idea. <laughs> because like that's what happens is all these chicks who like splatted like old moldy yogurt on her like uh, at the beginning, they all show up and they're all like, oh this is so fun and we get like a, a like a, a scene of like the dad is like hang, like <laughs> hanging out like he's like co- cooking shit and getting stuff ready and he's like hanging out with Sawyer and Sawyer's doing this funny thing where she's just like housing Cheetos but she's like lay I don't know who gave this little girl this like scene direction but there's this whole scene where she's having a conversation with the father but she's like like sideways on the table housing like cheetos or something and like i like it's just it's the it's such a funny like decision for the director to be like just yeah have the girl do this it's, um, it was but, very it was very like believable to me it was endearing it, it was very endearing and it was very like okay yeah this is like how a kid acts like it wasn't like overacted exactly. it was just very much no. natural like good chemistry is like dad and daughter it felt like you know what it felt like? It a lot of parts of this movie feel like how like '90s movies used to be, where like before like kid actors were like you know were like kid actors, you know, where it was just like oh we just hired kids and they just kind of did shit on set and you know we just kind of <laughs> like put it in the movie, yeah. You know, like a lot of the movie feels like that, uh, and but also at the same time, all of a sudden. Dad over here, Dr. Will Harper's, like, so well-adjusted. He's, like, Mr. Mom, like, making snacks. I'm like, where have you been this whole movie, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he checks in. (laughs) He checks out as much as he checks in. All of a sudden, he's, like, dad of the year. Um, But then we, like, you know, all the girls show up, and they're like, we're ready to party. This is going to be such a fun night. And you get a really funny, like, um, snap cut to all of them just, like, dying of boredom in Sadie's room like we just they're, they just like cut to them and they're all like so what do you guys want to do just sitting in a circle <laughs> and this is when they're like I wish we had like you know alcohol or something and Sadie's like well I don't have that but I have like something just as good she's like I have like 
real drugs. <laughs> and I'm like, and so like they're all like, oh shit, like, and, and I was like thinking to myself, I don't think that's that what you found was enough drugs for anybody to party. With. No, it was not. It was not enough for <laughs> one person to party with. But so like Sadie, what she like whips out this little like tin, she breaks out the Zippo, and like. What at this point has to be like a four month old like roach, right? Like it's, it's like fine, the, like a, or like the tail end like of an old ass joint. It's like the saddest, the equivalent of like um telling your friends that you like like hey I'll bring beer and what you do is you bring like the 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 mostly empties from like the recycling can <laughs> your dad left from the night before and you're like see it's I got the beer like it's disgusting but they all try to, so they try to like smoke that one they can't get the they're like f- fucking with the lighter they can't get it right but eventually like they they do and like Sadie tries to take a hit and she starts like hacking her lungs up and at first she starts coughing and she she you know her friends are like oh no it's okay you just need air you just need air and she's like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine (laughs) and then she gets up and runs to the bathroom and she she starts to get like sick and throws up and she she catches this little like Uh. thing in her her mouth and we get this really gross but like super fast shot from like way down in her like esophagus as she like pulls this thing oh, out. It does it is like that? And it clinks into the toilet and she realizes she's removed the tooth that the, the boogeyman on the stole. Yeah, she pulls the string out and the tooth pops out of her throat. And I was like, I thought we were done with the tooth. <laughs> And also, why is it, like, aside from being gross and scary, why is this in the movie? Why would the boogeyman do I think there's a dream sequence where, like, the boogeyman, like, blasts through a door in the house and, like, shoves something down her throat. And she, like, wakes up abruptly with, like, no breath. Right, it does, like, a, um, uh, like, a drag me to hell kind of, like, and you know what? Go for it, Sophie Thatcher. You get your your drag me to hell props in. Every every horror actress should have to do one of those movies <laughs> where somebody shoves an arm down your throat. Yeah, when you just like you spend the whole movie just fucking having a gobble, you know, fucking practical <laughs> effect. It was a good jump scare when that thing comes through the door and like shoves its whole mm-hmm. arm down her throat. I was like, holy fuck! Yeah, but, very scary. But yeah, but still, I was like, why though? Why would the boogeyman do this? This is insane. <laughs> Also, I guess it. I think that might be one of the not. It, it takes a lot to like gross me out or get me uh, in horror movies. Like I'll watch, I'll watch body horror. I'll watch any. I'll watch torture porn. You know, none of that stuff really bothers me. But pulling, like pulling stringy stuff back out of uh, from within you, <laughs> uh, really fishing really gets teeth me. out of your throat. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, gross. Even if it wasn't a tooth, whatever it was. Because you know what? Another Stephen King movie, what, uh, What's-Her-Face did it in It when she pulled, like, that, like, long lock of hair oh, out from... Oh, yeah. Oh, into this, the it, blood sink. It, yeah, just, I, I, it gets me every time. I, I fucking hate it. It's gross. Don't stop doing it because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be, I'm here to feel things because <laughs> I can't feel anything anymore. <laughs> But still, it, that's that's one that gets me. 
Um, so she so yeah, she's she, feeling a little better after she gets that up out of her throat, and uh, her her friends kind of meet her in the doorway, and uh, they ask her to see her mom's stuff, right? No, they say like they're in her room, and they go, "Is this the closet that that guy killed himself in?" And she goes, "No, that was in my mom's." studio oh, that's right and then they go can you show us and i'm like everyone out of the party party over <laughs> like like what i just bethany. hacked up a tooth i blame i blame bethany yeah she yeah if, if i knew my i was on her side but now i'm thinking if about I knew it my best friend bethany. was throwing up her sister's teeth in the the next room i'd probably be like hey guys maybe it's <laughs> time to go I don't think they actually knew that that's what happened because I feel like that group of bullies would have like made fun of her about it. Oh, but definitely. they didn't. So I'm assuming they didn't see the tooth. Um, but yes, yeah, so they so Sophie or Sadie um, relents and she shows them the closet. But of course, because bullies got a bully, uh, they you know she opens it up and they shove her inside and close the door. And this is where we get another like really uh, like cool see and like there's like light coming in only from like just underneath the door and like uh sadie's like like whirling around in the closet and you get like the boogeyman sort of like you just they do a really good job in this movie of like only showing you like the the right perfect amount of boogeyman you know Uh, so it's like just enough to stay scary almost the whole time. Uh, and when they do, when you do get a, a better look at him at the end, it's at the right time. So it, he, he, it stays scary throughout. Um, but yeah, so she's like getting stalked by the boogeyman in his closet and she's like screaming and screaming and screaming. And then eventually she like busts out right as the boogeyman's about to like go for it. And she's like screaming at the girls and saying how like you like you know you did this all like you did this on purpose and like you're such a bitch and the girls were like no we couldn't open it like we the door was we were all trying to open the door yeah bethany tries Um, to defend him a little bit yeah but she can't she's not hearing it and also i don't really believe him that much uh and she just like fucking slaps the absolute shit out of main the main bully whatever her name is natalie Natalie, or something like that whatever yeah and and they all go. They get like all mad at her, and they're like, "You're such a freak! Like we're not even friends with you. Like Bethany's the only one who gives a shit about you." And they all go storming out. And like as they're storming down the hallway, the dad is like, "Oh, hey, what's up, girls?" And the girls go, "Your daughter's a freak." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh." They uh, they fly down the stairs, and Sawyer is like. I guess in the living room by herself. She's playing like PlayStation or something uh, in the yeah, dark. Yeah, I was with the trying TV so hard. I was trying so hard to figure out what game she was playing. And I hope if anybody like is listening and they know and they and they see this movie or have seen it and you know what game she's playing, I I would like to know. Um, but yeah, she's playing this game where like the character is like I don't know shooting like a gun or like a bow and arrow or something that's creating like these firework effects. These like red fireworks and. It's I love this scene because like all the girls storm out. Right. And so Sawyer is left. And this was they mentioned it earlier, like her deal for being nice during the party and not annoying her sister is like she gets to play video games all night. Great deal. Um, Take that deal every time. Great deal. Totally. And so she's in this like, again, don't know where dad is. He just was like, oh, my daughter's a freak. All right. And just like went. I don't know. (laughs) Like because like Sadie is like asleep at this. She goes to sleep. Dad goes to sleep. I think he goes uh, upstairs. I think he stays upstairs to talk to uh, Sadie. Yeah, maybe. But we don't see any talking happening. But anyway, the, the scene is so cool because 
basically the way the shot, the angle of the shot, right, is like so you're looking into the living room towards the TV and like in between like the camera and the TV is the couch and you can see Sawyer, the back of Sawyer's head as she's playing this game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is like, and there's no lights on except the light from the TV. And so she's playing this game and she hears like weird, a weird noise. Um, and so what she does is like, she does this thing where she uses the like, uh, I don't know, bow and arrow move that the character has that makes the screen light up like brighter. Like bright red. So it that like she flashes can, red yes. when she uses it. Right. So that she can see, I've done this exact same thing. Because again, I was a terrified little kid. I was really? afraid of the dark. Like, so bad. But also, playing games in the dark is way better than playing games, like, with all the lights on. But I've definitely, as a kid, I have distinct memories of doing this, where I'm playing a video game, I hear a creepy noise, the the game is a little dark, but I have a move in the game that makes the screen brighter, so I do that to, like, so that I can look around. I I have 100% done this, and I haven't seen, I haven't felt as seen in a movie in quite some time. (laughs) God, you were like Chucky Finster growing up. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I there's not a doubt. Da- like he was the one that always made the most sense to me. <laughs> he was always like the everyone should have listened to Chucky, not the doll, <laughs> not the doll, the Finster. I was the squid, you know, in, in uh, fucking yes. Rocket Power. In, in Rocket Power <laughs> parlance, yes, you were the squid. Yeah, I I was the squid of the of the world of any given friend group. But yeah, so she she does this like a bunch of times where she's like looking around using the lighting from the the, the video game to like see around the room. And it seemingly and... works because like she's able to like see the room, and it's also not dark enough that the the like boogeyman can sneak up on her. Yeah, it's like kept at bay by by the 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 lighting, you know, but not well enough. <laughs> Yeah, it finds um, uh, like a, a perfect um, like angle to kind of a- approach her because there's enough of a shadow cast behind the couch, and she sees mm-hmm. it coming, and she kind of like lays down, and we get a bird's eye oh. shot from like directly overhead, oh. and you see the like boogeyman like wa- it walks on all fours. It's so gross. It like skulks like a dog like around the side of the corner like sniffing for oh. her. And it's like trying to talk to her, and it's gross, like garbled radio voice. Yeah, because it's like mimicking different voices to try and find like what I what I imagine is what they're going for is it's like trying to figure out the right voice to use that'll like get get her exactly off balance, yeah. you know. But and we, man, we see it leave like this the the shot. It like kind of walks back around the other side of the couch and leaves, and she slowly gets up. And she's kind of looking behind the couch. She doesn't see it. She looks into the kitchen. It's not there. And she turns around on the couch to like look back at the TV. And she tries to use the uh, the like video game flash thing again. And it's crawling up over the TV. And it's Whoa. about to like. And the shot right is super pulled back. It's like we are seeing this shot from so far away. And yeah, you see the you're right. You see the claws like climb over the TV, and it like leaps. And this is all like a one shot, right? So so this is all just like in the same shot from this far away angle. The thing leaps over the TV, and you hear Sawyer scream. It not with it leaps with such force that it knocks the whole couch over. 
and like drags her off screen and she's like screaming this whole time and you don't know what it's doing to her until eventually you see like her legs come dangling into screen from the ceiling and she's still screaming and then it goes off screen and then you like one she lets out one final like agonizing scream and then you see this whole little girl's body just tossed all the way across screen into the tv at the far end of the living room yeah she's like like, completely horizontal gets tossed into the tv like she's getting thrown out of wild west bar fucked this girl gets fucked up i was like i i honestly i think this might be the best scene in the movie I think this is this is definitely the scariest scene. I don't I, maybe not the best or most effective or whatever, but I think in terms of just like the scary factor and in terms of like doing s- new things, you know, like yes. something I haven't really seen before or seen done in this particular way. I think this is the my favorite part. It's so it's so cool, it's so creepy, but also now that you know now that you know that these guys uh wrote the like these guys wrote um the a quiet place have yes. you seen a quiet place like the the boogeyman's kind of quiet place it, it has it has a similar the creature uh, designs are like mm, they're like kind of we're 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 dangerously approaching like this this point in time where we have lots of we're gonna have lots of movies where there is like this creature in all of them you long know? skinny jumpy creepy mouth thing yeah yeah, I'm I'm worried that like just because we don't see most of it like most of the time, like I feel I'm worried that monster designers are gonna start like getting a little lazy. Mm, hiding more so that designing less, hiding more. Yeah, I'm I'm worried. But, I don't know. We get a good shot st- of this. There's in some a stuff while. later I'll, in the movie I'll, I'll that I, I have it. I have faith still. Yeah. Um but yeah, so this girl gets absolutely fucked up. Um but I at first I was positive this chick was dead um because yeah. i read the short story and i was like well we've already killed one kid earlier in this movie and there were like other kids killed off screen that we heard about and i read the short story and stephen king will kill kids he doesn't give a shit um so like maybe that's what this movie's gonna do but i'm i was actually happy to find out that this chick is that sawyer is alive because like she's she's cute and she's such a fun little like rambunctious like spunky actress that I was like I would have been bummed if she was out of the movie and also I think the movie would have been too dark yeah that would have been at tough. that point um but you get a shot where like you know the dad and like Sadie like, come running down and they like find her and they're like screaming all in like soundless like slow motion um but then we cut to the hospital and she's all Sawyer's all like bandaged up she's got like a like a (laughs) her arms are all bandaged her face is all she's got like one of those um collars on she's like the boogeyman fucked me up (laughs) I felt so bad for this poor girl because she's like oh man he got me (laughs) that's basically what it was um and then um so like they're they're you know they kind of leave her to like recover and the two of them, Sadie and the dad, they go away. And again, they they go, they leave, and then hang out in a pitch black room. Well, yeah, and like she, everybody has to stop. She's hanging the out only in the dark. one with her little sister when she wakes up, and then she she has to go find her dad. Her dad's like crying in this room alone, and he's officially ready to be like, oh, 
you have, well, I, you know, your mom, we brought your mom here after the car accident, and now your sister's here. I just feel like I keep fucking up as a dad. And she's like, all right, are you ready? Yeah. To, you're ready to stop fucking up? There's a cryptid. There's a cryptid in our house, and There's I have cryptid. to go deal with it. And he's like, what we have you, a boogeyman. were you high? Were you high yeah. when you he saw goes, it? Were you, he goes, were <laughs> you high? I smelled weed on you. And it's like, okay, first of all, you're a therapist. Your wife, it was your wife's weed. You're no stranger to, to marijuana it doesn't make you hallucinate yeah. boogeymen like what are like what are we doing here <laughs> just bad dadding we're just being a bad dad bad bad dadding and they need to stop hanging out in dark rooms um but i was like man this fucking dad sucks man uh, but anyway, so now it's back to Shotgun Mom. So Sadie, like, ducks out of the hospital, and she, like, sprints, I don't know, across the city. She gets a call. Like, cause she I, gets I a don't call know from the, the Widow oh, Billings. yeah. <laughs> the, widow, the Widow Billings says, like, oh, hey, Sadie, if you want to, like, fuck up this boogeyman, I got a plan. Um, and so she, like, scurries away and, like, makes her way to the Widow Billings' house. And... Um, she like gets inside and it's like even more of a fucking Kevin McAllister dream home than it was earlier in the movie. <laughs> yeah. She like, this leads place her... is now like visibly, <laughs> visibly loaded with like spring wire traps and shit. <laughs> it's like, it, it is decked like, like every square into this house is trapped at this point. Freddie, uh, from Scooby-Doo would be cream in his pants. <laughs> traps. <laughs> Traps. I'll set a trap. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we, we think we're going to get like a cool little girl power moment. That's what I thought was coming. You know, we were going to get like these two chicks who had been like ravaged by this boogeyman and they were just going to like go toe to toe with it. But then <gasps> betrayal, shotgun mom betrayal. <laughs> uh, she like uh, shotgun mom, the widow Billings, like smashes Sadie's head like, against the wall and then handcuffs her to like some like exposed pipes yeah, from like yeah. the drywall <laughs> behind the and, drywall <laughs> and is using her. But you know what is using her as bait the same way that Lester used his son as bait in the short oh. story. So little, little, another little tie into the short story. Interesting. Um, although I hard to hard to determine who at this point is more unhinged the video, the movies <laughs> widow billings or, or the books, uh, Lester hard to tell, but, um, they, she kind of like lays this trap. Right. And then we get like a little bit of downtime where we're waiting and like Sadie's like terrified. But then of course, you know, the boogeyman shows up because I don't know, sometimes in this movie, he seems like super intelligent. Sometimes it just seems like a creature that's like kind of more mindless or maybe it just thinks it's immortal like that nothing people could do could actually like harm it i'm not really sure because the one we get right here is like a no intelligence to be found one where it just sort of like goes oh sadie's hooked up to the pipes and there can't be anything suspicious about this it like hesitates for a moment like next to the tripwire but then it it jumps on her for for something and all of the 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 wire traps go off and it like gets shot by like 10 yeah what is it like 12 shotguns like like, all lined up ready to go i think they're all single like single bullets but then Mm. it gets lit up like I, really a bunch does. of these things go off, and it just gets shot all over, and it's humped like a heap on the floor. And 
Rita Billings kind of like comes around the corner and she takes a look at it and she looks like she's about to poke it with a shotgun, but she unloads she two. She double taps. It, yeah, she, which is good. She, you know, Very props good. to Widow. Props to Widow Billings. She goes for the double tap as you should, um, but un <laughs> as you should, but unfortunately for her, um, that's not going to be enough for the boogeyman because this is when we get a this a scene that I thought would not be in a PG-13. Yeah, I really <laughs> thought this would have pushed it over the edge to R. I would have liked maybe like one or two more of these if we were going to do R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I Go on. I, it, it, so she turns around to address uh Sadie and the boogeyman jumps up and pins her to a wall and so she's screaming and she's, you know, pulling the trigger, she's shooting him up like as she's like getting, you know, ragdolled essentially against this wall (laughs) and it gives uh sadie just enough time to like get untied and like break out and she like looks up like she's about to go help (laughs) rita and the boogeyman turns her sideways and just rips her in half at the hips just totally there are now two parts of rita (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just top Rita and bottom Rita yeah. are in, are on complete opposite sides of the house at this point. And I yeah, I was like, holy shit. Like I, I didn't I expected it to if if she I, I kind of figured she was gonna die at this point, but I thought it was gonna be just sort of like a uh, the thing dives on her and starts mauling her and like Sadie would like find a way to scurry off and we would just hear her scream and that would be it. Nope, but no ripped it in half. Thing, this movie and the boogeyman make sure that we know that the widow <laughs> Billings is just no like more. Twix. There is now a left hear and right Miss Billings. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, left and right Billings for sale. <laughs> Man, she gets fucking annihilated. And but yeah, but that being said, Sadie does use that as the opportunity to like she like breaks the pipe. And, like, water starts, like, spraying all over the place and, it like, distracts the boogeyman. And she's able to, like, scurry out of the house. Um, and she, like, just keeps on running, uh, like, to the point where she, like, just runs until she's, like, under this, like, overpass. And she, like, starts calling her dad. And her... Does she actually reach her dad? Her dad's like, oh, I'm... Uh, I brought... Um, I brought Sawyer home. Yeah, like she we're back at the house. Yeah, he's like, "Where are and you? I, like, I, I've been calling you. I have been able to get in touch with you." And she's like, "Dad, don't go back to the house. You can't go back to the house. Like, you have to listen to me." And he's like, "Okay, I'm ready to listen to you. Like, whatever you want to tell me. Like, I, I, I trust you. Just tell me what's going on." And he's like opening the front door, and she's like, "Dad, you can't go back to the house. Don't go back to the house." And he's like, "Oh, I just got back to the house. What do you mean?" And as he's saying that, he's, like, turning to close the door inside, and you see the mm-hmm. the perspective, like, outside in, f- in front of the front door, and he just gets yanked into the darkness, and him and uh, her little sister and go Sawyer, crazy, yeah. like, flying oh. into the house. Yeah, it's wild. And I thought to myself at this moment, and here, we're going to circle back to, remember I planted mm-hmm. that seed? So, I thought to myself at this moment... Now, how did the boogeyman get from the Widow Billings house to the Harper house that fast? It was already inside by the time he got there. And so I thought, well, he must be using the closets as a mode of transportation. Like the boogeyman must be able to go from closet to closet 
almost instantaneously. And so then I thought to myself, well, there's another movie that does that. A movie owned by Disney. Oh, A company that owns Hulu. A company that owns Hulu. The streaming platform that this movie was set to premiere exclusively on. And then I thought, oh, the boogeyman is Randall from Monsters, Inc. Oh, I thought we were going to Lion Witch in the Wardrobe route. Okay, yeah, that makes sense nope. too. <laughs> the boogeyman, the boogeyman is just a rogue monster from the Monsters Inc. universe. It's all in the same world. <laughs> there's a there's a whole behind the scenes thing happening where there's like a bunch of fucking Monsters Inc. workers being like, this one guy is like, you put the closet here and then you put that closet there, and I'm going in. <laughs> There's a bunch of cute, like, furry little fuzzballs, and then there's just, like, this one absolute monstrosity on, like, four spindly legs being like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my, that's my, uh, my little in, in, th- I'm, like, watching this movie, and I'm in a theater all by myself, and I'm like, this is Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other side of Monsters, Inc. I've cracked the code. I'm with it. I'm with it for sure. <laughs> There's because that's the only way that makes sense is they they have the he goes back to the fat monster factory. He puts down another one of the closets. He's got the two doors set up, and he's good to go. Um, but but yeah. So like Sadie, you know, hears all that commotion. You know, she sprints her way back home again. I don't know how the, the how far away anybody is from anything in this movie at any given time. She runs not far she enough. Sprints. I guess. She does run. Um, and so she makes her way into the house and then somehow something leads her to the basement. Oh, no. She, so she arrives at the house. She sees that there are like green and red lights flashing in the closet. So she like oh, wanders right. over to the closet and she finds her sister is in there. Uh, Sawyer's in there and she's wrapped up and in she's Christmas like wrapped, lights. She's wrapped herself up <laughs> the christmas lights which i loved i was like oh that's like i don't know where dad is it took dad downstairs he's really hurt um i wrap myself in the christmas lights because it doesn't like lights and she's like got all of the christmas lights wrapped around her and then she's got like an extension cord and so sadie is like all right well we have to go get dad i have to go save dad and i know i know how to do it Mm -hmm. like i know how to like it's okay we're not we lost mom we're not gonna lose dad is what she says Right, and so they walk all the way downstairs. Uh, Sadie arms herself with a hockey stick, and I remember thinking, like, Sadie, if if ten thousand shotgun shells didn't do it, <laughs> the, the, I don't know how much the hockey stick is going to help. Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. I was like, man, you just watch this thing get shot like ten times. Uh, once at close range, I guess for the maybe shotgun. the hope is. The hope is that we we're not that it doesn't have a healing factor that it's that it's it's weak now. Um, and also, my other thought was like maybe like I hope these Christmas lights have like a not flash setting. Like, can you just set it to steady mode or something? Uh, have you ever tried to set <laughs> Christmas lights, Matt? Has that ever been effective for you? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Never in my life. <laughs> But it's it's a presumably 2023. You'd think there's like they connect to their app on the iPhone. There was one year where I put lights on the tree and only the middle of the tree was blinking for like six hours, and then oh, randomly yeah, it just stopped. It was just I was like, oh okay, we're done. We're done with that setting. We're done. We're all done. We're all done now. Um, but yeah, so the two girls make their way. They're blinking all, all, all the way. It's very festive. Um, they make their way down to the basement, uh, and. 
there the the boogeyman has got his man boogies everywhere now the the basement is nothing but yes man the entire like honestly most of the inside of the house is just boogies filled filled with boogies and there's like a long it basically this whole this is all like this basement sequence it's just like sort of like long drawn out like sort of like cat and mouse they're looking for the father but they're like keeping an eye out for like the boogeyman and the boogeyman's like he's like oh he's over there now oh he's over here he's behind them he's like creeping around stalking them it's really it's really well done because the whole time the lights keep going in and out similar to the the scene that we skipped earlier where there was like a therapy sequence with sadie and sawyer where they're trying to help sawyer deal with her fear of the dark and they have like this weird big square red light that keeps going on and off and like it stays off for longer increments of time to help her not be afraid and i'm like this is like an evil light and none of this seems effective uh and it wasn't effective she peed her pants and all over the couch uh (laughs) so like but it's nice to see that it's mirrored here but with like a friendlier color half the time you know with the green so it's like sort of like her her using the same tool that she that wasn't effective for her earlier but is now like she's using it to fight with what i thought was like a a nice little like evolution a little character growth yeah she's like all right this is my tool now yeah which i I thought was clever it was a good way to do it but unfortunately as she is moving through the uh basement we realize that the the line on the extension cord is becoming more and more taut Mm-hmm. and because they're trying to be quiet as well yes <laughs> as but although the, there's like bright lights signaling where you are i don't know if they realize that but um, right next to around like there's like a big uh kind of shelf there's like this lo- like tall metal shelving and they kind of sneak around the corner and the boogeyman like jumps out to try and attack sadie and it kind of does that teleporty thing where it like tries to hit her from like multiple angles and yeah it jumps on top of her and it 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 jumps through the shelf and it lands on like the shelf gets knocked over and knocks out sawyer and sadie like on the ground and mm-hmm. sadie gets up and she's trying to help sawyer and that's when the boogeyman jumps on top of sadie and like pins her to the ground flat She's, yeah. like, trying to reach for the, like, sharp, pointy, broken uh, hockey stick. But as she's reaching for it, we get the shot up looking into the boogeyman's face. And it is the coolest fucking, like, transformation thing I have seen in quite a while. Dude, it's fucking awesome. So, basically, the, the boogeyman, if we haven't described it very well to this point, is sort of like a alieny looking like humanoid creature but like imagine a person who walks on all four limbs naturally but those limbs are like twice the size that they're supposed (laughs) to be like and so it's like a person imagine a person who's like used to walking on all four legs like you ever see like those horse girls yes Um, like that but if they like it's like that but extend their limbs to be twice as long and it still looks like they can move perfectly fine that's kind of what this thing looks like uh it's got like slimy skin i think it has a tail of some sort maybe not but it's like it's able to like slither around like a lizard um 
And it's got, like, this sort of, like, gray alien sort of, like, big bug-eyed face. Except, like you explained earlier, its teeth are, like, finger-like. Like, uh, interlocking up-and-down fingers. Fingers. Yeah, like, two hands, like, like, clasping. And as it's, like, standing over Sadie, or, like, like, pinning her down, the mouth opens up, and then, like, the jaw keeps going. The hands, like, rotate away from each other as if it's being pulled open from the inside. And then two more hands come out. Big, long, red hands come out and grab and, like, stabilize the side of her head as you see this, like, gross, like, skull kind of face push forward from inside the mouth. Yeah. And then it starts to, like, suck her soul out. It's, like, all these gross, like black like tendrils are like pouring out of her eyes and her nose and her mouth and her oh. ears and they're all being like absorbed up into the mouth of the boogeyman yeah it's wild it's like it, it they look so like viscous too like it's nasty it's it's actually like terrifying this is like a fantastic monster reveal i, I absolutely love it i think this is like and it's and it's not like overly visible you know it's just visible enough where you can see the stuff that makes you go oh but like you still can't quite see everything and you only see those things for like a very short amount of time so they give you just the right amount of yeah the whole i mean the character exists in darkness so it has like that kind of natural protection from being like overexposed yeah and so uh as that's happening to uh sadie um this is when like sawyer has sawyer been like knocked out is that what happened and then she yeah she got she got knocked out and she's stuck under the uh what the hell is it called the shelf yeah um and i i'm like i'm i don't quite remember exactly the exact order of events here like i know like the dad is down there and he's like i don't know trying to help but he's so fucking useless he knocks he knocks the thing off of her doesn't he (laughs) um Oh, no, you're right. So um, what happened was that, like, the the hockey stick that Sadie had got broken. And as she's getting her, like, soul sucked out, she's, like, trying to reach for the hockey stick, like, the shattered, like, spear part of it. And she can't quite get it. And then at, like, the last second, uh, the dad, like, gets up off his ass and fucking, like, runs in and grabs it and, like, spears the boogeyman, like, in the throat. Ugh. And then it not- knocks her- knocks it off. And all of the, like, soul gunk just kind of goes, like, piff. It kind of, like, disappears. Floats away, yeah. And I guess she's fine. I guess she didn't need that. As long as you don't get all of the soul, she- that stuff just kind of goes away and you're fine. It's probably just, uh, like, core childhood memories. No big deal. Yeah, she'll forget anyway. Who gives a shit? And then, um... This is when we get sort of, like, the whole family's together now. Like, they get Sawyer up, um, and, like, Sawyer has armed herself with, like, the, like, the Lysol spray, and, Yes, um, she has sprayed it in the face to try to ward it off. Yeah, and so this is when we get sort of, like, a, like, Sadie does, she grabs the can from her and starts doing the, she grabs the Zippo and starts doing the, the, um like flamethrower like childhood flamethrower thing that we all did we were like oh what happens if i do this <laughs> um and she starts doing that to like burn it and like put it in a corner you know they bat the the whole family like backs it up into this corner and the whole time the boogeyman's like screaming and like snarling and making these crazy noises 
uh, and it's like all the the flame and the bright light is 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 too much for it um, until they get they back it up all the way to the corner of the basement, and then oh, of course this is what happens the uh, the, the lighter yes, runs just out. runs runs out of flame. <laughs> Just runs out of flame, but they did, I guess, signal that earlier when like the girls couldn't get. It oh to light no, the, the lighter party. doesn't run out. It's the the spray. The spray bottle runs well, out. Well, both do, both do, because they can't get the lighter back on either. Um, and this is when we have like, you know, the boogeyman is like, "Oh, you're out of fire, huh?" I mean, he doesn't say that, but he might as well with his body language because this thing starts to get all like cocky and wiggly it's like oh now's my chance and i'm like all right boogeyman calm down wait give give us five seconds over here <laughs> and you know this is where we get the call back because she fucking she's like come on she's like trying to get the lighter to light and then she's like begging for her mom to help and like she's like come on mom and then like she flicks the lighter one last time and the fucking flame goes like whoosh, like like it's fucking like a foot tall and then and then as the like flame is burning and then the boogeyman's like oh shit you know it's backs up again and then the flame goes a little bit to the left like the fucking stupid video was telling like it's like oh mom's here mom I if get you're it. here bend the flame yeah mom's here okay everything's full circle god damn it you know that that's the only like cheesy part that really was had me rolling my eyes i was like all right yeah i knew mom was coming yeah, like <laughs> it's only a matter of time before that bitch showed up in the flame. Uh, but no, but it's like whatever. So like she, she, the the flame like bends, uh, and the mom's there, and Sawyer grabs like the thing that like she knocked over earlier was like a big whole like pint of like mom's turpentine, <laughs> and she like grabs it and like throws it at the boogeyman and he gets doused in the turpentine and then sadie like throws the she throws the lighter is that what she does yeah she she like tosses it down underneath him and he immediately boogeyman catches on fire yeah and we get like a really cool burning scene where he like burns up like you know like old newspaper does yeah you know where he like all the little bits like start to like curl up and like fold and stuff you know all 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 so that we understand that like the fbi aren't gonna be like dissecting boogeyman at the end of the day he's like clearly gonna be disintegrated yeah it it, like (laughs) catches him on fire and then like the like rest of the like boogie network that's like all over the place the boogie network (laughs) it well it starts to like glow gold and like flake (laughs) off Oh, you're right. I'm honestly surprised it didn't cut back to, like, the Widow Billings house and, like, burn up there as well. But you're right. The fucking boogie network. My God. Yeah, you're right, though. It does. Yeah, They managed to scrape Dad off the floor, too, and they're hauling him up the stairs as, like, the entire, like, basement is on fire and catching the rest of the house on fire. I think Dad's, like, leg got shattered at one point. Um, like, I think the boogeyman broke it somehow. I, 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 that, that, that memory is familiar to me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, they scrape that up. Like you said, they pull him out and, uh, then we like the family's safe and like we fade to black and then we open back up and guess what? Dad finally went to goddamn therapy. Finally decided to show up for a nice family therapy session. Yeah. We get a little family therapy session with the same doctor that's been treating Sadie and Sawyer the whole movie. Dad is there. They're all happy. Like, they finally learned to, 
you know, live with their mother's passing and move on. You know, it's, I mean, this movie is, like you said at the beginning, it's a grief movie. But I like it, you know, because it's kind of like the, it's, it's, it's the, it's like opposite of Babadook because like the Babadook is like, basically the message of that movie is, um, yeah, when something really terrible happens, um, it just stays with you and you just keep it in your basement and you just live with it. But this movie is more like, well, like, kind of, but you can, like, but it doesn't have to be such a bummer. <laughs> like, the, this movie's kind of like, yeah, you can, like, be sad, but, like, it, you know, if you, basically, the Babadook is like, here's what grief is like if you have no support system. Um, but this movie is more like, here's what grief is like when you, you your support system, like, finally comes through for you. <laughs> I thought it was very much like one of those uh, she's letting all of her mom's stuff light on fire and the house burns up and she's kind of like looking back as she's leaving and she's letting all of it go. She's not like trying to save anything of her mom's. She's like letting go of her grief. And Well, I think it's because well, the reason why she's able to let go because she was holding so like tight onto her mother's stuff was because she – her father wasn't showing up for her. True. Yeah, but by the definitely. end of the movie, the father showed back up. And so she was able to let that go because she could keep like the memory alive with the family now that it's been re reforged. Yeah. You know? So like that's sort of like I think what this movie is about. Whereas more of the Babadook was just like, well, I've got nothing but this insane child. So I guess we're just going <laughs> to live with this monster in the basement. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, so like my, uh, the whole family, Sadie, Sawyer, dad, they're all at the therapist. They have like a great session. Everyone's happy. The therapist is thrilled that this dad finally got his shit together. Um, and they all like g- leave. They're like, okay, we'll see you next week, doc. Uh, and they all leave. And as they're leaving, um, we hear the doctor say like, oh, Sadie, could you uh, could you come back into my office real quick? Um, and the the dad and Sawyer are a little too like I, I think they're they're hopped up on like positive vibes a bit much because yeah. there's no way they should let her go back into this fucking any room alone. You know, Ever I think again. it hasn't been long enough. It has not been long enough to let any of them into a, a room by themselves that has a closet. Um, but, you know, Sadie goes back into um, her therapist's room and she like doesn't see her anywhere. And then she hears some like sounds coming from the closet or maybe there's sounds from the closet maybe they're not like is it voices is it just like like what is it she goes over to the closet and it the closet is like open just a crack she like creeps up to it and there's like a a, a beat and she just shuts the closet and then the therapist goes oh sadie did you what's going on and then she, and then she's just like oh nothing we're fine and then that's the end of the movie <laughs> title card ending title card and I loved it because you know what that ending was like. I was like, oh my god, wait, because I was upset at first. I was like, oh no, is the is Sadie gonna get got at the last second of this movie? I kind um, of because that's how it ended. It. That that that's how it ended. You know, we we talked about it earlier. That's how it ends in the story. Um, and I thought they were gonna do that, but I kind of like the the nod to the to the ending of the story without but, doing the exact same thing. Yeah. But without doing the same thing and also keeping sort of the positive vibe, you know, because not every King fucking story needs to end miserably. (laughs) Uh, Like, it's okay to have misery throughout and then, like, have a bit of a happy ending. Um, 
And so I thought that was like a perfect way to end it. Like, you know, tribute, pay tribute to the original because they did they did it earlier in the movie and then they like capped it off at the end. I thought that was so nice. Um, And just like I think that I think this one did a really good job. I I don't think people are going to appreciate it as much um, for for, I think like down the road, people will look back and be like, you know what? That Boogeyman movie was pretty. Yeah, good. I, I, I think I, I think, I think uh, currently we might have some people who like I haven't seen it. it. I have honestly I haven't seen any hate for this movie at all anywhere. I've seen a little bit of like people saying like, oh, this movie's like like tropey and cliched and stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can I can kind of get it. But like, I think you're looking at a very surface level. I, yeah. I think a lot of this movie's strength doesn't come from like it. It doesn't do any big crazy twists per se, uh, but I, most of this movie's strength comes from like really good um, direction and really good acting. Like uh, the characters are all like really well developed and really well performed, and I think that really like it s- s- sets it over the top. Like, like it didn't need to do anything crazy or do anything new or groundbreaking. Like it's based off of a story that was written in like when Stephen King was nineteen. Like yeah. it's not going to do anything new, but like what it does do, it does really well. And I think, well, I think people will be talking about it a lot more down the road. Um, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll be interested to see where it's at financially when it leaves the theaters. Not that that's going to change my opinion on it at all, but I'm interested yeah, to but see it's just interesting like, to see, you know, the, the, how it's received. Yeah. And especially because it's sort of in this weird place where I don't know, like it's it's made some money, but not very much, you know. But also, it wasn't really like you said. It's already covered itself, but like just barely. Yeah, it's basically it's it's made about five million dollars. Okay, in the first was this two weeks? Yeah. Um. But that being said, it was when they when this this film was already made and paid for. Under the assumption it was going to go straight to streaming, so oh, like I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I'm interested to see how how like that affects how the studio sort of like um thinks about it success wise, you know? Because if they mm-hmm. had already kind of written it off as like just sort of a big like thirty five million dollar streaming expense, but then they were like, oh, you know what? Put it in theaters, see what happens, and then it m- made its money back and more. Like, is that a big win i don't really know how the the industry sort of regards that kind of thing yeah i don't know uh, that's a i i think it'll be interesting to see where it ends up in our uh i need to learn more about that side i need to learn more about industry side stuff like how how the how the studios sort of regard that kind of thing um hopefully hopefully spooky fiance can can get deeper in and and help we'll reach out to doctor on cool and see what he's got going on maybe he can give us some insight yeah, we we can talk. We'll talk about it uh, a little bit when we get him on for the for the Amityville episode for this month. Um, but but yeah, um, I I mean that's it for Boogeyman um, and our first little like a little prequel into uh, future uh, <laughs> Kingle Barrel episodes. <laughs> I'll come up with a better name. I'll You're sending that one name. back to the shop. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with a better name for it. But yeah, we're gonna do more Stephen King episodes. Uh, coming up uh stay tuned for amityville summer the first episode should coming should be coming out very soon get your sunscreen on now um and uh that's i think that's it do we want to do we want to go into our uh our our yeah. final cuts yeah what, uh, what, do, what do we got going on what do, you go first 
Well, I would say as of news-wise today, we saw um, we're going to be getting Terrifier 3, the fall 2024. Mm, oh, that's yeah, two falls not this fall, the next fall. So oh, that's already coming they must down be the pipes. prepping for some crazy. They're supposed boy. to be getting a lot more money for that movie, so we'll see. Oh my god, I'm I'm honestly kind of terrified. <laughs> oh, about what are they, you? <laughs> no pun intended. I'm a little terrified about what they can do. With yeah, more money. it'll be good. But uh, other than they're, that, they're going to be breaking I, uh, records. Oh, you think they're going to go for the blood record? Like if you, I mean, come on, you're you're the Terrifier movies. You you're getting a bunch, so much more money for this third installment. You got to be going for something. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think other than that, I saw, like I was telling you earlier, I, I watched a, a couple movies over this weekend, and I was checking out the, uh, it's not necessarily a remake or a requel, it's the sequel to um, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was good. It was surprisingly good, had some very creative deaths. Uh, and was it's almost like a meta movie. It was like it takes place in almost our world where like the true events of the that the first movie was based on occurred and then they made that movie and then as a result of that movie being like made, this movie occurs. Because people mm. are like, you you didn't let the spirit of the guy die, like you should have just left it in the past. <laughs> But it's it's very good. It's worth checking out. It's a nice like early two thousands. Uh, I want to say two thousand five. But it hits. It holds up. Go check it out. That, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that, I'll I'll definitely check it out because I I was always a big fan of the original. Uh, I I felt like it was one that like m- people just didn't really talk about very much. But I always thought it was really creepy, and it also has just, like a cool name, right? Like so metal. Just yes, like, oh, the town, the dreaded sundown. Like what? It's, a it's dope, dope. It's name based on like some Texarkana, um, like axe murders. But like the as far as visuals, it it just looks like very Zodiac. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll definitely check it out. You guys should too. Um, as far as I go, um, my you know you 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 guys probably see a pattern at this point. My uh, final cuts tend to usually be video game related because I'm also trying to turn some cross pollination from uh here to the uh to the devil's <laughs> cut twitch uh which is uh you know matt x young you can catch us streaming on there uh but recently i've been playing a game called green hell uh which Ooh. is a survival like a survival horror crafting sort of um like base building game where you play as a guy who becomes stranded in some sort of like amazonian like rainforest setting you're like looking for your wife uh because she went missing while she was trying to like, make wife. contact with <laughs> my wife she was like trying to make contact with like the this like local like um like tribe of people who like have remained like removed from technology and modern like civilization and she goes missing and you become like besieged by um like violent like cannibal dudes um and you know we've seen this game before like there's plenty of games like that where it's like there's the forest and lots of other like survival crafting games but the fun thing about this one or i guess the not so fun thing is that is it's like it's very picky 
and nit- nitpicky and granular when it comes to the survival stuff. So, like, not only do you have, like, a hunger meter and, like, a thirst meter, so, like, you have to drink water and you got to eat food. But when it comes to eating food, you, like, have to eat protein and you have to find um, fats and you have to find, like, sugars. and You have to, like, balance your diet and you have to – you can't just drink any water. You have to make sure your water is not contaminated. And if it is contaminated, you run the risk of, like, getting parasites. And it's, like, if oh. your character – if you're, like, sprinting through the forest, like, you just run the risk of, like, tripping and, like, you know, slicing your leg open on, like, you know, a, a, a log or something. And then if you – if you get this, these cuts and stuff, you have to like treat your wounds and bandage them and you have to change your bandages because if you leave the same bandage on, you'll get an infection. And then if you get an infection, you have to like forage for things that like bring down your fever because if your fever gets too high, you die like in real life. <laughs> and like, like, oh, and how many times have you died even, playing I, this? I, so and far? that's not, uh, so many times, dude, I've died so many times. And that's not even counting the times where like I was just like bringing a pile of logs back to keep my fire alive so that I could like, you know, have warmth for the night. And while I'm doing that, a jaguar just leaps from out of the brush and doesn't kill me, but like I'm able to fight it off, but it has wounded me so bad that I bleed out before I can make it back to my (laughs) camp. (laughs) And it's just like, it's like, why rainforest? Why? So basically the game like absolutely hates you and doesn't want you to live. And they pretty much put that right up front. Uh, and that's sort of the fun of the game. It's its own special kind of horror. It's it's a more realistic horror than I'm using used, used to dealing with in video games. But it's been fun in, in a in an exhausting kind of way. <laughs> the, I, those are those are always entertaining where you're like, all right, let's see how far to the limits this thing's really going to push me. Right. Yeah. So if you guys want to see me play that, um, if there's any interest, I, I would definitely be willing to do that on stream. Um, so maybe you'll see that like live sometime soon. Um, but other than that, I think we're good. Uh, great talk this week about a good movie based on a good short story. Uh, you can catch us uh, uh, at, on our on the socials, Twitter and uh, Instagram. The uh, handle is what is our I, I this always killing me. me you're killing me both of them are at the devil's cup pod and you can find all of these links in the bot in in the description go go look go look in the description of this episode that's where all the things live the twitch lives there the uh the instagram the twitter the invitation to the discord so you could hang out and watch other cool things with us there you go. Everything lives there. There you go. At the Devil's Cup Pod, Instagram, Twitter, and check the description below for anywhere else you want to meet us. Hit the link tree up. And, uh, you know, as always, uh, creep it real. We'll catch you next time on the Devil's Cut. Bye bye. Have a beautiful time. <laughs>